Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everyone? I hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to another week and a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you. No Michael Remus this week. Remo uh, enjoying some well-earned time off before things get crazy after Labor Day. Uh, but we do have a big show today. We'll have a special guest joining us off the top, as well as Joe Pascucci, Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press, and a little golf and NFL and fantasy talk with Jeff Feinberg a little later on in the program. Of course, with Remo Way, a special welcome to our pal Jeremy J. Remo, as you know him in the chat, for joining us to uh, make this show happen while Remus is away. So um, we'll have Jeremy doing the show, and uh, I'll be introducing a special guest that is going to be jumping on uh, quite a bit this week. Remus is gone, had a little bit of time on his hands, so we'll let you know about that. We do have a lot to get to. Wild weekend in the Canadian Football League. The Elks finally win at home. The BC Lions, um, that's got to be one of the biggest upsets in the league this year. Um, Hamilton goes into BC and smashes the Lions. And the Bombers now have a two-game cushion in the West after their beatdown of the Montreal Alouettes. And, of course, you know what this week is, folks. Labor Day week. Bombers off today. They'll be getting back to practice and getting ready to go in and hopefully maintain their domination over their arch rivals, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who are coming off a bye week as they get ready to take on the Bombers. So we were we will definitely talk some CFL. Hammer's going to join us, um, uh, Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press, and we will certainly get to the CFL picture heading into one of the biggest weekends of the year. In a lot of ways, really the biggest regular season weekend of the Canadian Football League season. Um and uh, Scooch is going to jump on. And I always love having Joe on. Joe Pascucci, of course, longtime sports director at uh, Global. Uh, we'll see what he's up to working at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, but Joe's all over the Bombers, all over the Canadian Football League. Uh, looking forward to getting his read of the league in the West at this point of the season, heading into Labor Day. Uh, and we'll also hit on the Jets offseason and the upcoming training camp less than a month away with Scooch and with Joe. Now, um, later on today, we will get into some golf. And uh, right off the bat, should probably congratulate Hayden Springer, the Texan who uh, had a hell of a back nine yesterday at Southwood and ended up winning the Manitoba Open. Um, I know Mike and Billick were there. Maybe touch on that a little bit later on. The huge story in sport and golf this weekend, though, was our guy, Victor Hovland. Huh. Uh, got it done last week, put himself into the uh, second hole of the uh, staggered start for the Tour Championship and then ran away with the damn thing. $18 million richer today, Vic Hovland. And uh, the leader of the Vic Hovland fan club, my pal Jeff Feinberg is going to jump on. Now, part of the other reason that I'm bringing Feinberg on is that this is for many of us fantasy football draft week and uh i figure you know with not a lot of hockey going on this is a perfect time to get ready for nfl season so gonna try to have feinberg on andy mack might even get pat mayo on um and just to do a little fantasy segment towards the end of every every show every day and uh, certainly we can get to some of your questions as well 
um, with that. But uh, we'll talk a little NFL and a little bit of golf with Feinberg later on. We'll get to the cool bet lines and we'll get to picks for Assiniboine Downs because, of course, <coughs> live racing is back tonight at 7.30 p.m. post time today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Oh, and speaking of fantasy football, I did tweet this out yesterday. An all-time cluster bleep, draft, fiasco, debacle, you name it. I will touch that on it. I know a lot of people want the details. You'll get the details. <laughs> and, uh, oh, my God, was it ugly and frustrating for everyone that was involved. Um, just before we bring in a special guest to open the show, i got to give a big shout-out to the sponsors that make the show happen each and every day. Our friends at Coolbet Canada, Princess Auto, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, and Nick & Nicky DQ, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, great weekend at the ballpark as the Fish finished up their home regular season schedule. Uh, ASD, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, Little Brown Jug, and of course, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, and Modern Man. And now, we welcome in former CTV sports anchor, and now the hottest free agent in the game, our guy. And also the host of Target Score Weekly. Great podcast with Taylor Allen of the Creep. Talking sea bears. The slat man himself, Joey Slattery. What is going on, man? It's great to have you back on WSD. I'm stoked to be here, man. I got all this free time. Didn't know how to spend it. Got the invite to come on WST. And I said, of course. I mean, I'm no Remus, but I'm going to try my best. And thankfully, I don't have to do any good. technical stuff. Yeah, well, exactly. That's what we got Jeremy here for that. He's holding that down. And uh, yeah, we'll be able to wrap. And usually Remo and I have some fun for the first 20 minutes of the program, hitting all the top stories of the day. Uh, but I figured, well, hey, if Joey's got a bit of time, we had a, such a great time having you on the show a couple times before. Let's do it up. So anyways, welcome. Thank you. Say what's up to the chat, everybody. Great to have uh, the slat man with us. Um, yeah, shout out to everybody in chat too. Mary Jane, very happy. Phyllis, ladies loving Joey Slattery, right on. Um, hey, you know what? Just quickly, while we uh, we may as well get to this just before we kind of dive into all the other stories, um, because people will be asking. Um, yes, you uh, you uh, you've you've left CTV, kind of uh, got a bunch of other things on the go, and that is uh, that is our game with a little bit more time to kind of hit still all the local sports stories on Winnipeg Sports Talk, Joey. Yeah, no, I uh, I quit. <laughs> Big career change. So that's it. I'm done. I'm out. No, I uh, it, you know it's it's like anything else. It I had a I was ten years at CTV, right? Like I didn't just before Winnipeg. You know, I had stops in Regina, uh, Edmonton, in Northern Ontario. I started in my hometown of Timmins. Uh, got to do a lot of cool, fun stuff uh, while I was there because I was in news and then in sports. Uh, but then you just kind of realize it's, you know, there's other things out there, uh, you know, I want to say like the end of the road with that path, so to speak. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, um, you know, I, I had a lot of good memories there and, you know, I wasn't leaving with any kind of anger or anything like that. It was just, uh, you know, I had some time off and had time to think about it. And as I thought of life moving forward after 10 years there that I am very fond of, it brought me to Winnipeg, right? And that's uh, where me and my wife I've loved it and want to stay for as long as possible, if not ever. So, uh, yeah, it's um, very happy for the time I had there. But, man, what an exciting time to be here, right? Like doing things like this and being on the streaming realm and stuff like that. 
Um, that kind of stuff has excited me. And, you know, being on the show a couple of weeks back and doing the target score weekly with Taylor Allen and the sideline reporting with the CEBL at the, at the Sea Bears games. I mean, it's been a, it was a really fun summer, <laughs> mostly because I was unemployed for a good part of it. And I just had uh, fun, fun employment adventures uh, for the last, whatever, three, four weeks. But I felt like I was back in school with summers off. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, now it's time to get back to work. And it's been a lot of fun. And I'm hoping to do a lot more stuff like this and like that. And uh, of course, it frees up more time to join you, Huss. Doesn't get any better well, than that. Well, this is, listen, the timing was absolutely perfect because, uh, and we love having you on the show, but I uh, figured instead of having just me talk to myself for the first 20, 25 minutes of the show before we get in the guests, this will be uh, great to have you jump on. And obviously lots of potential to do more things as we, uh, as we go further. Um, we may as well just touch on this quickly. Anyone that went to Sea Bears games this summer saw Joey work in the sidelines, and I mentioned Target Score Weekly, which is a uh, you know a pod that was specifically focusing on the Sea Bears and the CEBL. But I know as you guys kind of continue this, there's uh, obviously we've got a big NBA season coming up. There's tons of followers of the Raptors. We've got a great basketball scene here in the province with both the uh, you know men's and women's U of M and U of W teams. And of course, a couple of those sea bears that we'll be seeing playing U sports. And then of course we've got Canada at the Ooh, FIBA buddy. world cup. And we had Alex Adams from Indonesia join us last week. He'll jump on again a little later on. What a crazy, crazy weekend. I mean, we talked Friday about the beatdown of France to get this tournament on for Canada, which was a statement game. If we've ever heard of it, but the French lost to Latvia as well. They are eliminated Canada already through and a big opportunity to uh, put an exclamation mark on this opening round of this event with this game tomorrow morning against the Latvians for uh, first place in the group. Canada broke France. <laughs> Honestly, it, you know, that was the big thing going into this, right? Is, you know, France has been one of the global powers. I mean, it's been the U S and the U S has been, you know, far, far and away. Number one for a real long time. But, you know, we knew this was a good team, best team Canada's ever assembled going into this. But, man, a 30-point victory over France, to me, that was Canada saying, we're just pushing you out of this tier. This is now where we belong. And, France, you are now a Tier 2 team. Because the fact then you go lose to Latvia, and that was a huge win for Latvia, too. I mean, you see the excitement when that last shot was uh, – the last shot from France didn't go in. Like, they that was their championship, right? Like, that's their Olympics. I feel like that's got – for them, the kind of miracle on ice feel. There was a ton of excitement that they were planning for that game. That said, I mean, momentum in a one-game deal, can they do it against Canada? Canada already threw. It'll be interesting to see. But uh, if Canada can go 3-0 and in this uh, in this tournament here, in, this, in the pool, I mean, France, it was already set with a win against France. And then Latvia was just, I mean, I didn't wake up for it, and I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> so I enjoyed reading about it, but 4.30 a.m. to see that whooping, and uh, they set a record in assists or something like that. Yeah. Canada basketball is doing okay. Well, you guys will have lots to talk on uh, target score. And listen, this is definitely going to be something that we'll be paying attention to over the course of the next couple weeks here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And as I say, it was great to have Alex, who's <laughs> who is there, boots on the ground, join us right after that first game, and we'll do that again a little bit later on. Well, I'm, uh, I'm interested to hear what he has this. to say about that. Cause that like going forward now to hear what Canada, you know, how do you carry yourselves after that? They've never been in this position as a program, right? No, like, and we'll find out a lot of... tomorrow. I mean, you know, I mean, it was a big statement game against, uh, against France, obviously everyone knew that they were going to smoke the Lebanese, 
Yeah. Latvia's got players, and Latvia just beat France too. Again, a very close game, and I don't think Porzingis is playing. No. Um, that being said, you know you can't take anything for granted, and the the margin of victory and all of that does play in as this continues. So, much like we saw in the first game, even up twenty seven, you know, with ten seconds left, they were still jacking shots and threes and trying to make that happen. So, tomorrow morning is the uh, is the game against Latvia, and I guess tomorrow on the program. We'll have a pretty good idea about what uh, is next to come for Canada at the FIBA World Cup of Hoops. Um, wild weekend in the Canadian Football League. Listen, it started off with, I mean, I couldn't, I was in such a great mood on Friday's show after being a part of that game on Thursday night. Uh, weather was a little crazy around the city to begin. Fortunately, it spared IG Field. But the Blue Bombers, or the Alouettes, were not spared by the Blue Bombers in an absolute ass-kicking. And a game that, you know, you look at the final score, Joey, and it's 47-17. It's hard to imagine that completely flatters the losing team. But you dive in a little bit more, and their two touchdowns were very uncharacteristic. Pick sixes from Zach Caleros. Well, um, who had so that the on their bingo card? into the weekend. Yeah, right. No, no, I tweeted no, that yeah. out. I'm like, who yeah. had that on their bingo card for his return? Like a first pass of the game pick six. And it, I don't know. I, I can't remember what analyst on TSN uh, on the pregame said that. They're like, you know, I, I don't know what to expect from Zach Kolaris because his last play before going down with injury, you know, was a pick six. And then his first one return from injury pick six. And for a second there, you're thinking, oh, man, like this might be something. Right. But man, like it's that championship. I want to say, I guess we'll say pedigree with this team, right? It's they're back to that form of, you just know they're going to win, right? It, once that second, once that first half was over and they rolled into the second half, you just knew, right? You get that kind of sense that that championship swagger that this is over, you know, like the owls couldn't, couldn't capitalize. They, that one that for me where I like the owls lost it in my opinion was when they had their deep in their own end and they could, they punted it to midfield and Kalar started with the ball inside of the 55 and it was just he had great positioning to start with then brady Oliveira picks up and he had a heck of oh. a game you know dalton Schoen had a couple of touchdowns but it's just like this team just finds ways to win they've got you've got stars like it's not even just you've got like one or two guys that are carrying this like your depth players are playing like stars and i don't know how you manifest that it's a special thing it doesn't happen often like this is a team but like you take away that 2020 season, like I shouldn't say you take it away, you put it back. Like, what are we talking about with this Bombers team, right? I mean, they win in 2019, have the longest stretch off ever. Then they come back in 2021, play in the latest possible season they've ever had, right? In, uh, into December before the Grey Cup was awarded. And then the next year, they go back to the final and lose a crushing one right? Like a very close game to Toronto that probably should have went their way. Like this is a dynasty. They've been to three and it probably would have been four straight finals, probably would have won three of the four and could have went four for four. I mean, this is something really special. I mean, it's been a lot long time before 2019 with a lot of, you know, some fun football to watch, but there were no championships involved. Like this is a time to be excited as a Bombers fan, because this does not last forever. But these are moments where you're just like, what, what do you do? And, you know, talking about the wild weekend, you go past that game. Like, we're starting to see that there's the Tier 1 Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the rest of the West. I mean, BC yeah, is well, not what they came out, like, in that game against uh, in Winnipeg where they blew Winnipeg out on home field. That narrative is gone. 
Yeah, no kidding. And the Hamilton Tiger Cats changed the narrative big time on the weekend. Like, wait a second, did and we talk about Canada breaking France in the world bat the uh, at the FIBA. Um, what did that fifty burger do to the BC Lions? Because since then, they've lost to the Riders, and I mean that home loss as double digit favorites against Hamilton was almost inconceivable, based on the way Hamilton had played so far, having just lost at home to Edmonton. And the way BC had played so far this year, Toronto got another big win. I mean, we'll see how they do when they, you know, move up a weight class and play against BC and Winnipeg, but they're handling their business right now. And yeah, I mean, to your point about this run for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers since 2019, I'm not sure we can call it a dynasty until another championship happens, hopefully this season. If they had won last year, and you're talking about three straight and three run. I mean, I, I I think you could you could use that word. Let's be conservative and not go there yet. But they're on the verge of something, something very very special. But you know what the funny thing is, the challenges, and we talked about this off air, about the Bombers staying locked in. I mean, this is a veteran team. They're very professional. I wouldn't expect that to be a challenge at all. But there's been a couple games like the Edmonton game where they started off horribly and had to come back and. Obviously, they got got against the uh, Ottawa in the, in the fourth quarter when that game was essentially yeah. done, but then it wasn't. And obviously, the BC game earlier this year. The one thing I don't think we have to have any concern about is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, despite their spot in the standings, getting ready for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders nope. come this weekend and Labor Day and the Banjo Bowl. I mean, you used to work in Regina as well. You've worked in both cities You've got a great perspective on just how big this weekend is for three-down football in the prairies, the event that it is. But we know how much, even in the lofty spot that they're in right now, the Bombers are going to want to go in and lay a whooping on the Riders as they've done quite a bit over the course of the last three or four years. Well, and that's the thing too, though, right? And, you know, you take away the standings. This is why I think it's coming at a good time because this could also really shift the rest of the playoff picture, depending on how this all shakes out, right? I mean, Edmonton coming off a win now, they're back in the playoff picture. Calgary's been struggling. And if Winnipeg goes 2-0 and over Saskatchewan, uh, depending on how the Elks do with their games, I think they have a buy in there somewhere. But it's this could be a really interesting race for the rest of the West. But this is playoff football for both those teams, right? Mid-season, you kinda, you're taking those, those playoff smacks with these teams. I mean, when we were in Regina for the Grey Cup, Saskatchewan fans were not happy that Winnipeg was in their dressing room and turning that blue. Like, it is a true passion there. Like, that was something that was, like, an absolute nightmare for that city, that province, to know that the Blue Bombers were coming into town and literally taking over their dressing room for a week as they prepared for the Grey Cup. And I don't think anybody was happier outside of Toronto for that Argos win than Saskatchewan. Every green jersey there, there was a blue one underneath or in their hearts for that week. But this is huge. And I do think this is these are the games, you know, we talk about it's not being a problem. I have no issues, I think, for the next two weeks. Like these next two weeks, there's a lot of, you know, media that goes in it. There's a lot of, you know, adrenaline that goes into these games. And, you know, you win them, you're in great position. And I think that's where you start wondering, okay, how how do you kind of maneuver the rest of the season, right? And make sure that you're staying sharp because once you take those two games and the rest of the games, I mean, they have a, a Hamilton, the Toronto game you were spoke to earlier, 
is going to be a big one because it's Andrew Harris's return, you know, coming back after oh, he won the Great Cup Friday last night, year. Like, end of September, Harris and the Great Cup champion Argos, who beat the Bombers coming in, as big a regular season game as we've had in Winnipeg in a long, long time. And it's going to be good for the Bombers, right? It's after that when you start playing the Elks again. And I don't remember who else is down the schedule, but you start playing some teams that aren't as exciting and some markets that aren't as exciting after. A, like this is this September is pretty charged for the Bombers, right? You have the two games, the the Labor Day and Banjo Bowl, and then you add in that Argonauts game, which is normally a non-factor, is a huge factor this year. So this September is going to be good. It's once you get into October and November when you're starting to build towards the playoffs. But going back to what I said earlier, this is dynasty territory, right? I do think this means a lot to those guys. And for what you just said, I don't think they want to hear that, that they're not there yet because they this is really a four-year dynasty more than a three-year because you take away that 2020. And I give those guys oh, yeah. a lot of credit to carry that momentum from a whole year prior. It's hard to repeat. And I, you can take the rest into account and all that stuff, but every other team had it too, right? You had that target on your back. Everybody's thinking of that Grey Cup in 2021. So I feel like this is them saying, no, we are going to cement it where it's not a debate anymore. We want to be a <laughs> dynasty. Because especially if you're a dynasty here, going back to the markets that you just said, if you pull something like that off in Winnipeg or Saskatchewan, you will be idolized and have monuments in your honor, oh. your name retired. You will have a legacy that will last well beyond your years here on Earth. Well, I mean, they can start getting the O'Shea statue ready whenever they want. I mean, he's going to totally. definitely have one of those. And, um, you know, obviously chasing down Bud Grant for, you know, the all-time wins record. Um, but it is going to be a really fun fun week, fun couple weeks, obviously, with the re rematch of the Banjo Bowl. Um, but it has been interesting to see what's happened around the Canadian Football League. And we will get to that with uh, Joe Piscucci in a couple minutes. Hey, Joey, before we break... This is normally something I do at the end of the show, but while we have you on, we will touch on this. I know a lot of people in chat mourning the passing of the late great Bob Barker, who uh, who got to who was ninety nine and a half, I believe. Um, I know there's many jokes on Twitter, uh, closest to a hundred without going over. That was uh, Bob Barker. But uh, did you say off air that you actually had the chance to interview Bob Barker back at one point in your stops? I did. Uh, I don't know how many years ago. Within 10. Anyway, I was working in Timmins, which is my hometown. And uh, back then, the spring bear hunt was a big thing. Um, so, you know, won't get too much into it, but you used to have a spring bear hunt and then they took it away. And there was a bunch, you know, things with tourism and the, the economy, how it was hurting. And he had put out something about um, called this uh, either it was the mayor of the city barbaric uh, for the spring bear hunt and calling the spring bear hunt barbaric, essentially. And I just said to myself, going to work, I'm going to interview Bob Barker today. And <laughs> I figured out, I got in, I think I interviewed, contacted our entertainment department. They got me in contact with uh, his agent who calls me back and says, uh, yes, Bob would uh, be willing to do an interview with you in regards to this animal rights issue and so on and so forth. Here's the number, call it exactly. I think it was whatever, two o'clock Pacific time or one o'clock Pacific time. So near the end of a deadline in Eastern time. But I remember I get the number and, you know, the, the time's kind of counting down. And so I dial a number right at uh, four o'clock or whatever it was. And I man answers the phone. It's clearly Bob Barker. Like his voice is exactly what you hear. And I say, uh, hi, I'm looking to speak to Mr. Bob Barker, please. He's like, well, Joey, you're speaking with Mr. Bob Barker. 
<laughs> I was just like, okay, man, keep it in check here. Like, you know, I don't get starstruck, but it's freaking Bob Barker, man. Like, this is the guy that I'd watch every day. I was sick from school, right? As most kids in the last, whatever, 20, 30 years would have done. And uh, yeah, so, you know, we had the interview and everything else. And then afterwards, you know, I took, he took the time. I shouldn't say anything. I, I was not worried about my deadline. I'm chatting with him and asking him all these questions. And he was so kind and gracious. You know, my brother's first words, my mom was saying one of his first words was Bob Barker from Truth and Consequence, not even Price is Right, like the game show beforehand. <laughs> so he's like, he starts laughing at that. And he says, well, you tell your mother and your brother that Bob Barker says hello. And he talked about his time growing up in South Dakota, which I had no idea. But just a Did really, you ask him really about nice uh, beating the piss out of Adam Sandler and Happy Gilmore? I never got around to that. That was the worst part. You know, you get into listening mode, huh? like, you're just like, this guy was going off telling me growing up, uh, uh, I can't remember. It was a Lakota reservation. I think it was Rosebud. And he, uh, you know, grew up as a man of Lakota descent and, you know, growing up there, going off to Hollywood and becoming a big time game show host. But it was just, this guy was larger than life. And then you talk to him and he's like, yeah, just a guy from a small town that, uh, you know, was down to earth. It was really incredible. But as you said, 99 and a half, you got as close as you could without going over. You won the game, the life game of Price is Right. I mean, a life well lived, man. Those were 99 good years that that guy had. And uh, he'll be uh, a legend he forever. He uh, well remembered by uh, everyone that spent any time in front of the tube during the daytime over the last 50 years or so. Slots, this has been awesome. Um, I'm looking forward to doing this with you throughout the week. Uh, we'll have you jump on at the beginning of the program and get us going and to hit the top stories of the day. Jays in action tonight. We didn't get to their disappointing finale to the series against Cleveland, but we'll certainly do that tomorrow. Uh, they got Kevin Gosman on the mound going up uh, against the Nats tonight at home as they begin a big series, two and a half games. So we'll do that. We got some tennis this week. I think John Horn's going to come on. So plenty for us to talk about tomorrow. We'll uh, be able to get right into a Canada Latvia coming out of tomorrow morning's game. Uh, Thanks so much for doing this, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, getting the band back together tomorrow morning. Thanks, man. I'm looking forward to it. Enjoy the rest of the show. <laughs> right on. There is Joey Slattery. Give him a follow on Twitter at Joey Slattery TV. And uh, again, Target Score Weekly is the uh, the podcast. He and Taylor Allen uh, have some great interviews with some of the Sea Bears about this season just passed. All there for you. And uh, as I say, Joey's going to be jumping on at the beginning of the show throughout the week um all right we are going to talk a little bit more and i by the way for those of you that are tuning in saying what the hell happened with this fantasy draft last night feinberg's coming on a little bit later on we'll get to some some stories of uh debacles when it comes to drafts and i will lay out the entire situation from last night for your entertainment um all right we've got joe Piscucci coming up really looking forward to having scooch on the program before we do that, I got to give a shout out to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops. Modern Man now has eight locations in Winnipeg, conveniently located near you, including the two newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Guys, Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services for you, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Easiest thing to do is do what I did last week. Just go online, book uh, via modernmanbarber.com. And you can also follow them on Instagram over at Modern Man Barbershops. Well, September is approaching, everyone. And for me, I'm fired up. That means NFL season, hockey training camps and all that. For kids, they're choked. They got to go back to school. Parents probably uh, pumped. That being said, 
been an amazing summer. Many of you already thinking about that above ground or in ground pool. You can still make 2023 the year you take the plunge and design your own custom pool over at aqua-tech.ca. And more than just pools, AquaDeck does whole home renovations with thousands of rentals as their foundation. Let AquaTech upgrade any space in your home. If you're looking to finance, their team can provide plans that suit you, and you can schedule a design visit with one of their experts over at aqua-tech.ca as well. But there are limited install dates left for pools, so visit AquaTech in-store or online to learn how they can make your in-ground or above-ground pool dreams a reality. Again, more info at aqua-tech.ca. Well, I hope you had another great weekend, everyone, and if you got out of town, you're able to make the most of it, whether you're using a camper, uh, probably spending some time on a lawn tractor, sea-doos, boats, ATVs. Um, bottom line is for all these things that make your summer that much better with you and your family, you got to have power, and that means you need a battery. And Manitoba Battery is the local uh, option and the local experts on batteries of all shapes and sizes for literally anything that you need. And the best part about Manitoba Battery is while shopping local, you're getting the best price in town. No questions asked. Beating the pants off the big box stores with their prices. And even better, the most convenient service around because they'll deliver it to you anywhere in the city of Winnipeg for free with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's that simple. Head on over to manitobabattery.com for all your battery needs. Give them a phone call. And Donnie and his great staff will help you out by the phone and can send it out to you. Or, of course, you can always pop online and check out everything they've got going on over at 1026 Logan Avenue. That's Manitoba Battery and manitobabattery.com. And, uh, hey, another weekend and summer in the books. I'm sure many of you had a couple of those delicious CC and gingers. I know those will be well represented at the banjo bowl coming up in a couple weeks as of course canadian club is the official spirit of the winnipeg blue bombers but if you haven't tried it yet this summer what are you waiting for and uh, obviously it's good news that the lc strike is over all your favorite canadian club products available for you at all of the locations open again but you can also pick up cc and ginger and look for it the next time you're in your beer store available in 473 milliliter cans or six packs as well all right, Hamilton coming up a little later on. Jeff Feinberg as well. Let's bring in the Scooch man, Joe Piscucci. Long time go-to guy for all of our sports info here as the global sports director and now doing a bit of work at the Hockey Hall of Fame. How is your, uh, how is your summer going, Joe? Great to have you back on the program. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be talking with you, Andrew. And uh, summer has been uh, going really good. Uh, just came back from a few days in Washington, D.C., so I didn't see any of the CFL games on the weekend except for last night's game, uh, which was interesting. But uh, it's it's been really good. Got a little golfing in, made a trip back to Manitoba for the Grey Owl. Always got to come back for the Grey Owl. So it's nice. been good. Um, uh, how are things over at the uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame? The Hockey Hall of Fame is is doing well. The Doc uh, Siemens Resource Center is where uh, I'm doing some work th for them, some freelance work, digitizing their international uh, hockey collection. So I uh, haven't been there since uh, last Monday. Uh, it's at home today because I had to do a lot of stuff to get my car fixed and, and cut the grass. <laughs> so I'm here, but I'll be back at work tomorrow and uh, expecting the Stanley Cup to make its return 
from uh, its uh, rounds with all the players and the staff. Okay, I had to bring that up with you because <laughs> so um, the uh, Mark Stone and the folks at Breezy had a big event there and they were uh, kind enough yeah. to invite me to do a little interview with Mark that we had on the show, but we did it for the 300 people that were in attendance. It went great. But while we're there, I got a chance to talk to a couple of the guys from the Hockey Hall of Fame that, you know, run the cup around all summer. And I started talking to the guys and I said, well, how did you get this gig? He said, well, you know, I started off volunteering at the Hockey Hall of Fame or whatever. And as as, as he told me how he got this gig, I it just dawned upon me. I'm like, this whole digitizing thing is a long haul play by Scooch to become one of the new handlers of the cup in future years. That that would be the ultimate gig for you. And how fun would that be? Rolling around from party to party all summer with uh, the guest of honor everywhere you go. Oh, that would be that would be a dream to go on just one trip like that. Or maybe, you know, coming out at the end of the Stanley Cup finals with the cup with Phil Pritchard, the keeper of the cup and present it uh, to, you know, Gary Bettman. That would also be fun. But I think that that job is taken and uh, maybe I'm too old for that right now, but it would be fun. It would be fun, especially this uh, past summer it would have been fun to come back to Manitoba and to, to see the players like uh, Mark Stone and Howden. Uh, you know, I, I have talked with Mark in the past before, so that would have been exciting. And, and it's always exciting for Manitobans to uh, bring home the Stanley Cup. I wish the you know there'd be a few more Manitobans on the local team, but you know that may happen in the, in the near future. Well, you know that's a good segue because I wanted to hit both with you, and we'll save the the CFL in a, uh, for a minute. But um, obviously, there was the huge Dubois trade, um, and you know you've got you know Velarde and Iafalo and Kapari coming in that will you know change things up in the front, probably yeah. make them a little bit deeper, not necessarily yeah. you know with you know some of the things. Uh, but other yeah, than that, I, it's been pretty, uh, it's, I mean, what do you make of this team going into training camp next month with Shifley and Hellebuck still on the club right now, despite all the trade rumors all along and a defense core that I think we realize is very packed, tough for young yeah. players to break through. You're worried about losing a player or two on waivers. Um, I mean, where are you at with the roster right now, Joe, a few weeks away from camp? Well, despite the the impression that people think that I'm a very negative person. I'm actually very optimistic and excited, you know, to see what this Jets team does this year. Uh, and whether that be with Mark Shifley and with Connor Hellebuck. But I think for the first time since that 2017-18 season, we have four solid, potentially solid lines where, you know, it's not going to be the fourth line. You just give them, you know, four minutes maybe max during a game and you hope that they don't get scored on. I think that the Jets are going to be very solid from top to bottom, you know, and, you know, again, being an optimist, I can, I can see Mark Shifley being part of the solution and not the problem. I mean, 40 goals last season, I thought that he had taken a big step forward from his previous seasons with his, you know, lack of interest in defensive play. He did have his moments defensively, last season, but there were fewer than in previous seasons. So, you know, I, they're going to start the season, I believe, you know, Shifley and, and Hellebuck. And whether they stay till the end of the season will depend on how well the Jets are doing and whether or not they've signed a contract by then extension. But I, you know, I could see Mark Shifley being part of the 
solution going forward. But, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I did see him practicing down at the Ford Performance Center where the, uh, the Hall uh, Resource Center is located. I sent you that video. Kyle Copa-Bianco has also been practicing there along with some other NHLers. And, you know, he was still wearing Jets gear. So I'll take that as a positive sign and maybe his, you know, his attitude is in the right spot. And I think this is going to be a very exciting season for the Jets. And I think that uh, Rick Bonus, uh, you know, will be able to get the best out of this team and get them to play more consistently. And I hope and I think this is a big season uh, for Nikolai Ehlers because I think he is going to be given more responsibility. He's definitely going to start on the first power play unit on that left point but i also want to see more consistency from nikolai ehlers he can't take some games off he can't take shifts off he can't make those blind passes in the vanilla of the ice anymore if he wants to be a team leader and he wants to get that ice time he's got to you know uh play more steadily than he has in the past he's been brilliant at times you know but sometimes he kind of strays and I think, though, this year he'll be more focused. He's got something to prove. And I think for the first time in his career, he's uh, he's going to score over 30 goals. He's come close on a couple of occasions. I think 29 in one season and 28 in in another. So I, I think I'm expecting big things from uh, from Nikolai Ehlers this year. Yeah, I just got to keep him healthy. I mean, that's a similar yeah. conversation with Cole Perfetti, um, you know, who I think has a huge opportunity this year heading into camp. And, you know, a lot of those lineup stories or who's getting the number two center position audition. I mean, we'll kind of discuss, I'm sure beforehand, but really focus in on training camp. But Joe, I wanted to circle back to Rick bonus with you. Um, okay. Because uh, I, I'm interested in your, your thoughts or perspective on the challenge that bones has coming into this season. I, I mean, obviously there's managing two of your top players that, have expiring contracts that have had all the noise around them in the off season. But there's also the way last season finished. And of course we all remember Mount yes. bonus erupting in spectacular fashion after game five of the first round of the playoffs. And I, I mean, to be honest, I think most people when they heard the players speak would have loved a little bit more ownership of it, but it didn't yes. seem like everything was going off hunky dory onto the summer. What do you make of the challenges that Rick has on his plate with all of his players when they get to training camp? Uh, I personally, I had no problem with what he said. I think he, what he spoke with the passion that jet fans have. And, you know, as a retired sportscaster, now I can be more of a fan. Like I'm sick and tired of the performances in, you know, elimination games, against St. Louis, against Montreal, against Vegas, where they don't show up to play. It's like they quit on the season already. And, you know, there's been a lot of comment about Logan Stanley. And I can remember that Montreal game, that fourth game. They're losing 2 nothing because of two dumb plays. And Stanley scores both goals to get yeah. them back into a tie. But you could see he was the only guy playing that game. Right in the overtime, the Jets just had nothing. So I have no problem with what Rick Bonus. If he has, if players have a problem with his honesty, you know, I thought the players want honesty from their coach. Well, he gave them honesty, and they should be should have been embarrassed. Some of them, 
Pierre-Luc Dubois by their performance in that last game against Vegas. They didn't show up. Cal Connor, he did not have the best game five against Vegas. So some of these players have to own up to the fact that they didn't play well and they were called out by their coach and rightly so, speaking from a fan's perspective, you know, I think Bonus is a fair coach and he just wants the best for the team and he'll put the players out there that give him the best and he'll sit the ones uh, that won't. And the only, only problem I had with Rick Bonus last year was some of the times where he did speak out, he would somewhat take it back the next uh, time he met with the media. And I don't think that he needed to take it back. Well, I agree with you. However, I think as, uh, as Paul Maurice would have attested to, uh, feathers can be ruffled easily at times in that room. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, there's a lot yeah. of the ho- the job of a hockey coach is X's and O's, but it's always interesting talking with these guys off the record. And I often ask them how much of your job is game planning X's and O's and how much of it is being a psychologist. And, <laughs> The answer from different coaches varies, but the psychologist number is always significant. And I yes. think that was a big, uh, a, a big, big part of it. One other Jets question for you. And we had one of the best why not questions of the day for not Autocorp we've ever had as far as the results of the poll. Um, we asked very simply, who's going to be the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets? And I think most people would agree it's either going to be Adam Lowry or it's going to be Josh Morrissey. It came down to within a couple votes. It was basically a dead heat. And that number, I think, depending on when you've asked that question, has changed. At the end of January, when Morrissey put the team on his back in that St. Louis game, it looked Mm -hmm. like Josh Morrissey was a shoe-in. If you saw the way Adam Lowry put the team on his back at times when it was struggling in the last month of the season and the way he played in the playoffs and the way he stood up against Minnesota, you would think it's Adam Lowry. Now that there's been a little bit of time from the season, people have sort of settled back into that straight up 50-50. And I, I listen, I don't think there's a wrong answer to this, but you know, as we sit here at the end of August with training camp around the corner, who do you think is the next does uh, the next captain? 44. You're going with Josh. 44. Josh Morrissey, it has to be. I mean, I love Adam Lowry. I love his commitment. I love his fight. Uh, but I, I need to see a little more consistency offensively from him. Right. And we saw that down the stretch, as you as you rightly pointed out. But, you know, if he goes into a dry spell, then that becomes an issue again. I think Josh Morrissey uh, is the is my would be my choice for captain, uh, you know, and with, of course, Adam Lowry. And because, uh, you know, I expect Mark Shifley to be here at the start of the season. Mark Shifley as uh, the assistant captains. Yeah, I mean, I think that it would be. It would be tough to strip him of the A, like the amount, like if they actually did that, the, uh, I don't then think he's the gone. juice would be worth the squeeze. You know what I'm saying? Like it would be <laughs> yeah. like, listen, I mean, even if he's here for a shorter period of time, you don't yeah. want to ma- make it, make it, if there are, if there is any sort of a situation between those two, you don't want to make it worse. Um, and at that <laughs> point, and the one thing I'll say about both Lowry and Morrissey, regardless of the way that it goes, I think those guys are close enough. I think they realize how important they are. I think they realize that they both, in a lot of ways, are the culture carriers moving forward of this team. So whether they went with Josh, whether they went with Adam, I have a feeling that the other guy 
would still be a de facto. Someone suggested maybe they have a different captain at home and on the road. And I mean, that would be <laughs> unique. But I, I think they really do need to have a guy. Um, it, it was very clear at the end yeah. of the season when we heard from all the players and then heard from Blake Wheeler and then so many of them sort of parroting what Wheeler had to say that, you know, maybe giving someone that official title of a captain with the Winnipeg Jets is probably a good thing for this hockey team. Uh, and the sooner, the better. Yeah, it's, a, it's not going to be that situation. I think they had an 89-90 where it was, uh, you know, Howard Chuck, it was Randy Carlisle, and it was Thomas Steen uh, sharing the captain's uh, seat. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about Blake in the past, and, you know, I, and I, I've never never questioned his effort. I've just questioned some other things, that, you know, that he's, that he's done. So I, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm I'm very optimistic about this season. I think it will be a very good one for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think that uh, Hellebuck, you know, may see that there is a team here that can win the Stanley Cup and may decide to resign because it'd be pretty hard to, to see other teams wanting to give him nine million dollars a season. You know, maybe Buffalo, and they have a lot of good young players on Buffalo. That would be a decent trade for the Jets. Uh, Joe Pascucci's with us. Um, and it's great to have Joe on the program. Let's get to the Bombers. Now, I know you were away. I mean, you didn't have to listen. If you wanted to go through the highlights of the Thursday game, um, essentially it was one of the most lopsided games you'll ever see that was disguised yes. a little bit by a couple pick sixes that went the other way. An absolutely dominating score, performance. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know it. I mean, and listen, it was a magical night at the, at the, the park, sold out crowd. I mean, yeah. you've covered this team for a long time. I mean, it is – listen, I don't want to get back to what I said on, on Friday, but, I mean, it, it's kind of a pinch-me moment. If you remember where this team was 10 years ago and the previous mm -hmm. 20, um, I mean, this is a special time. And, I mean, kind of kicked around at yeah. what point do they become a dynasty? I mean, to me, it's probably winning another championship. But I there think, is I, yeah, I a – I'm just going to say that regardless of, yeah, exactly. But I mean, but I mean, yes. right now what's happening with the support of the fans, the atmosphere at these games is as good as it's ever been. Um, and now the team is, I mean, listen, they had that ugly game against BC, that crazy ending against Ottawa, but it seems like the ship has been righted. And at the same time, Joe, um, the BC Lions are not the same team after the Bombers lit them up to the tune of a 50-burger a few weeks ago here. Now back-to-back -back loss in Saskatchewan and an almost inconceivable home loss to a struggling Ticats team. Yeah, it's it's surprising to see what's happened to BC in the last few weeks. And, you know, prior to this season, I, I was on with you and, and I said, what I want from the Bombers this season is to see some maybe some struggle in their game. I don't want them to just coast through the regular season and then have to turn it on in the playoffs. I want, you know, some, you know, struggles for them. And we've had that from them this season. And we're still having that right now. I mean, Zach Caleros throwing those pick six, you know, he's got to get that out of his game. He, you know, he can't be doing that, you know, for this team. I mean, last year in the Grey Cup, of course, the one interception, he didn't throw it, but the one by Prukop let the Argos back into the, into the game. And so they can't be making these mistakes because against better teams, and obviously when you get to the playoffs, these are the better teams, 
you know, you're not going to get away with those uh, far too often. And you, and, you know, I know you were talking with Joey uh, just before this segment and you're talking about the Bombers winning uh, in 2021. But uh, remember, they should have lost that game because if Hamilton doesn't give up that single point on the kickoff, they're kicking a field goal to win the game at the end instead of just sending it to overtime where the Bombers won. So, you know, this team, I, I don't want them coasting to the final or to, you know, to the Western final. I'd like to see some, you know, some struggle in their game and some challenges by the other teams. And obviously I don't think we're going to see that in the next couple of weeks against Saskatchewan, but that big game coming up against Toronto at the end of the month. And then the following game right after that against BC, that is the season, you know, that's probably the, the two biggest games they've got left on their schedule. And, you know, hopefully they're not playing the last three games with, with first place already clinched. I think they need something to challenge him down the stretch help heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I mean, that game, the 29th of September, Andrew Harris coming back for the first time, the Grey Cup champion Argos that beat the Bombers last year. I mean, that yeah. is going to be a scene. Uh, and then, of course, that game in BC that looked like it would be for the West. But, I mean, if BC keeps going the way they are and the Bombers go the way they are, that might not have as much impact as we originally thought earlier this year. That being well, said, it might we not, get... but BC, BC, let's figure BC's got something to prove in that game, even if they can't catch the Bombers for first. They've got to mm-hmm. plant a seed that, hey, you know, we can still beat you in the Western final. So I think that's an important game for both teams. I think even if first place has been sort of somewhat decided by then, you know, I, I think that BC is going to come out and the Bombers are certainly going to have to to come out and play strong in that game well i i agree although i'll say this i'll say this about that bc game like i think the bc lions want to let them know that they can win the west final i'm not sure that they can win the west final in the middle of november in winnipeg and that's why this loss yesterday was so devastating or on, on the weekend was so devastating i mean if they're one game back of winnipeg heading into that game and a win would put them into a tie, but they'd have the tiebreaker because that will be the rubber match in the season series. Um, I mean, as we've seen, this is, you know, coming in and doing what they did at the beginning of the season in a beautiful night in June or July, very (laughs) different than coming into a fully sold out stadium in November against a team (laughs) that has won the West division three straight years. That's true, but upsets can happen. I've well, seen it before. 1987, Bombers and Argonauts. The Bombers were the dominant team in the East, and the Argonauts came in and beat them and beat them badly. So, you know, I'm not putting anything past BC, whether it's weather or not. I think that any team, if they're not prepared to play, can get beaten. And we've seen that in the uh, past. And, uh... Not just the Bombers, but any football teams. But that 29th game against the Argos, I mean, I think that's the, uh, I think Brady Oliveira is going to be the MOP candidate from the West, and you've got Chad Kelly from the East. I think that that may decide the MOP for the CFL this year. Interesting, throwing Brady Oliveira out there. I mean, it's always, it's usually a quarterback award, and Zach's sort of been leading the way. Although, and but... the funny thing is, I mean, the two pick sixes in a game that they still won by 30, how much did you take off him? I think he did throw for four touchdowns. Um, 
But again, the one thing I'll say about the Bombers is this does not seem to be a team that really cares much about the individual awards as mm -hmm. much as the team success. And that's what's made them so successful, which brings yeah. us to these next couple of weeks, Joe. Um, I know you remember from your times covering this team, just how special the Labor Day Classic is that weekend trip for so many Bomber fans out to Regina. And now the Banjo Bowl with the move to Saturday has kind of taken on a whole life of its own. Yes. Um, two really fun weeks of the year. And I will say this, and I believe this was what 2011, the Bombers were seven and one, the Riders were one and seven, <laughs> and the Riders swept the two games. Like there is an element of throwing the records out the window when these two teams play on Labor Day and then the rematch back in Winnipeg. That being said, yeah. the Bombers um love nothing more than beating the hell out of the green and white yeah i'm along with other uh, bomber fans uh, made many treks out to regina for labor day weekend only to have a really long drive back uh, there were a lot of losses by the bombers uh in regina on labor day not recently thankfully um so i think that uh it's going to be another great weekend for the blue bombers and the banjo bowl it's like a u.s college football atmosphere uh those days lots of parties going on and finally you know the bombers moving their banjo bowl game to saturday so you can get more you know fans from saskatchewan into town and you know have that party that we've seen in regina for you know 20 30 years come to winnipeg and have the parties here and that's and that's great, obviously, for the for the economy. If I can get serious a little bit on that side of it, for the Winnipeg economy to have that, but it's a great atmosphere. And if you're lucky to get tickets, you'll enjoy it. You will enjoy it. Well, and that game's been sold out here in Winnipeg for a couple of weeks. I think it helped them sell out the game against Montreal, and I'm sure they're already focusing yeah. on packing that stadium again for another sellout when Andrew Harris comes yeah. back on the 29th. Uh, Joe, before we go, you got to call. Uh, what, what, what do you expect to happen? Can you give us a prediction for the Labor Day Classic coming up this week? Labor, uh, let's say Bombers by 18 points. Bombers by 18. I, I, I think that's good. They Trevor Harris threw for 400 against them at home yes. earlier this year, and the Bombers won by 17. So uh, I think you were <laughs> on to something. Scooch, let's do this again soon. Uh, thanks so much. Enjoy the uh, the grind back at the uh, Hall of Fame tomorrow, and uh, let's do this again soon. But I know you're going to be paying okay. attention to the game on the weekend. Enjoy Labor Day weekend and the annual classic between the Bombers and Riders. All right. I'll be looking forward to it. I'll be watching. Appreciate it. There is our guy, Joe Piscucci. You can follow him on Twitter. Must follow at Piscucci015. Some great, great old classics uh, and some great bomber memories up on that screen as well. So definitely check that out if you, if you haven't already, or sorry, on X, fire that up for uh, our guy, our guy Piscucci. All right, um, Jeff Hamilton's coming up with us in just a couple of minutes. Let me uh, give a quick shout out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, featuring great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products too. Still uh, plenty of time for some great grilling, folks. And uh, with barbecue season in full swing, get down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks. A um, couple of great options to wash those down with, like Sober Carpenter Beer 
or Santa Cruz lemonade. And uh, I hope you've been feeling active this summer. If your joints and muscles are sore, try taking Healthcare Human Supreme Extra Strength, helping ease pain and inflammation, and you only take it once a day. Vita Health Fresh Market's there for you folks. Fully shoppable website as well at myvita.ca. Empowering people to lead healthy lives. Check out Vita Health at one of six Winnipeg locations. Um, a big thanks to our friends at Wallace & Wallace who've been crazy busy all summer, as you can imagine, as Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists. Not to mention the leaders in temporary fencing for all those festivals and special events that we've seen all summer long. If you need the property property and security, or if, if your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, they've got you covered with vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if you need a garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors, along with the best service in the game. Give Wallace and Wallace a call, 452-2700. The Wallace and Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Crescent off of Keniston. Fellas, how is the closet looking? You know, fall is here. Labor Day weekend coming up, back to work, back to maybe a bit of a different uh, different schedule, more events. How's your menswear looking? If you need to up your menswear game, and I think I may have to go make a visit to Andrew and the guys as well down at F Apparel. Uh, F Apparel is the spot to do it. Custom suits. Beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. If you are planning a wedding for the winter or coming up next year, talk to the guys about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get suited up at F Apparel. It's that easy. Get down and see them at 190 Smith Street downtown. You can find out more online or make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And uh, hey, August coming to an end, but blizzard season's 12 months a year at our friends Nick and Nikki DQ with four locations, including DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and the DQ in Niverville. And actually, Nick and Nikki working on a, a Pita Pit grand opening coming up in Niverville as well, which we'll tell you about. Huge thanks to them. If you do need a, uh, a custom ice cream or blizzard cake for an event too you can always hit them up on instagram at dq manitoba send them the pick of what you want on it and uh, get it done up in advance for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four nick and nicky dqs all right it is hammer time by the way 95 likes we got let's just throw 300 people in here let's uh get those thumbs up going uh, for those of you that are with us live on youtube and everyone's got two thumbs up for jeff hamilton who joins us now hammer what is going on how uh how was your weekend and how have your travels been i made it home Huss. i was on a 22-man bachelor party in toronto over the last 48 hours got in yesterday uh, it was a terrific time uh just an amazing opportunity to be out with 22 friends uh congratulations to my buddy Corey Otway him and him and his his group put on an absolutely incredible weekend we saw Jay's game excellent Jay's game they won 8-3 made it close there for a little bit but uh pulled away at the end as fans like to see and just got to got to see the city in a little different light slightly different light than my usual travel so it was awesome I've never been to a I've been to my fair share of bachelor parties I've never been to one in Toronto. I was 
curious what that would look like uh, and uh, found out uh, firsthand and it was awesome. Outside of the Jays game, what was the, uh, of what is um, appropriate for our Jeez, broadcast yeah, was... airwaves? Um, you guys said like a good restaurant. 22 dudes is a lot, man. I mean, that's probably cat herding. Like I think of going to Vegas with four or five guys and how hard it is to keep everyone together. At 22, there must have been a very tight itinerary. You know what? It was actually pretty laid back. I think that's one of the things I like the most about it. it you're right. It's hard to ring in 10 people, let alone 22. And, um, you know, I thought it would probably break out to different groups and do diff a couple different things. It turned out to not be like that at all. I was, as you were kind of leading into your question, I was trying to rack my brain of all the bars and places we went to. And I don't know if I could list a single one, to be honest with you. Um, we went to Adelaide Hall, which was a cover rock band place. I remember that Friday night, Jay's game couple other spots but just really great um just really great organization a couple planned meals but nothing wild certainly um you know you're able to do your own things i like to kind of go to like these spas that in the morning so i snuck off on a couple things my my own to take care of some self-care so i could do it all over again but uh certainly spent most of the time with the pack and just really took it took it all in it was beautiful there was a bit of rain but mostly it was uh it was an awesome time and uh and certainly uh Certainly enough time. Two nights, uh, three days is, is more than enough time when you're having fun. You uh, you picked uh, the right Jays game to go to because um, mm -hmm. that was the one they won. Uh, they lost two or three to the Guardians on the weekend. Two questions for that. First of all, what did you think about the ballpark? I was there earlier on. Like the improvements they've made, the general areas, the new bars and stuff. Really awesome. But what was the vibe around there? Because the Jays have this talented team. They're still on the outside mm -hmm. looking in. Wonder what you were getting from Jays fans at the game about where they're sitting right now. Well, we kind of brought our own little party, so it was certainly rocking wherever we we went to. I, I thought you know <laughs> there's a lot of energy for sure. Little disappointing, um, you know. I mentioned the nice weather. It actually the time that it did rain was during that game, so unfortunately the roof was closed. Uh, as we were leaving the next day, I, I noticed the roof was back open. I, you know, anyone who's ever been to a Jays game, um, it's it's I love it. Uh, it's just way better with the with the roof open. It's still pretty good, but um, to your to your point, they I don't know if it's a new bar, man, but it's the one. I, it must be because I've never spent any time there, and it certainly looked brand new. But it's over the opponent's dugout. Pretty actually wild spot uh, to be <laughs> yeah. partying in. I mean, if, if a guy decides to go oppo, you know, because it's like just sitting right there in, in home run territory, right above the of at this point was or at this game was Cleveland's. Cleveland's bullpen but it, it was just an awesome atmosphere we we managed to get seats uh one of our one of one of the guys greased some people who had the railings seats with some money and they cleared out and then we cleared in and um yeah spent a, a majority of the game there it was it was These really ballers. really cool but really really cool yeah really cool opportunity to watch the game from there and and just really social I felt like you know it's it's funny we were talking about the differences between Toronto and um in Winnipeg and you know Winnipeg is obviously a very friendly community a, you know a great city and whatnot but they're not exactly the most friendliest when you group into like you go to a bar you go to things there's like I've been to other cities you know not including Toronto but you know it's a little bit more of a you know everybody's kind of hanging out with everybody where in Winnipeg you kind of stick to your own little crew and whatnot I felt like the Jays game was the exact opposite of that I felt like 
you know, our group of 22 turned into 40, which turned into, you know, pretty much the entire restaurant there was just having a, a whole bunch of fun. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not dissing Winnipeg by any stretch of the imagination. I just, I find in Toronto and the times I've been there, it's felt a little bit more like, because I don't really know if everyone knows everybody. So everyone's kind of in smaller groups, us obviously being the exception, but um, yeah, it was really cool vibe, really cool atmosphere. And as you mentioned, they, uh, um, they, they got the job done. So certainly fans left home happy. I think the next game I was looking at yesterday's game, I don't think the Jays came back. I haven't checked the score, but I saw Cleveland pull away in like the 11th. Um, so that would have been yeah. less than less than than uh, ideal for fans. For sure. Yeah, there was there's a lot of action uh, into the seats. Uh, plenty of homers, uh, plenty of runs. Unfortunately, the bullpen wasn't able to get it done. Tough one for Romano. And uh, yeah, they did drop that one in extra innings. Um, let's talk about the uh, about the CFL. Obviously, the Bombers took yeah. care of business big time on Thursday. But what a weird weekend in the Western Division. I don't know whether we want to start talking about the Elks finally winning a home game for the first time as the Edmonton Elks. Or BC face-planting as double-digit home favorites against Hamilton. And maybe, I mean, for me personally, maybe the most surprising result of the season based on where these two teams were heading into that game. Thank goodness you weren't going to talk about the Elks' chances of making the playoffs in your list there, but that seems to be a, a talking point right now. And the fact that that's even, you know, possible, you know, they're is, hot. is pretty they're wild hot. for going 0-9. So, yeah, they're hot. And, I mean, that that sets up a massive, you know, home-and-home home series with the Calgary Stampeders, right? But to get back to, to this week, I mean, yeah, two different things. Obviously, you look at the, you look at the Elks. They finally snapped their home drought. I thought, you know – if you would have asked me last week who I thought was going to win that game, you know, especially after the Elks were able to get it done against Hamilton, building some momentum, being at home, like Ottawa's not a great team. I mean, I mean, they're good. They're, they're getting better, but they're still, they're still very much, you know, new in, in the sense that Dustin Crumb's coming into his own. And, you know, I, you know, I'm aware of what Ottawa did to, to Winnipeg. That was obviously an incredible comeback and crumb back my, my apologies. And, um, you know, but, but still a very, still a very incomplete team. So I wasn't overly surprised with the Elks battling them out and, and, and with Trey Ford at the controls. I mean, you know, he, Trey Ford's two and one, this team's two and nine, the one loss obviously coming against a, you know, Winnipeg team that they spotted 22 points or sorry, obviously Edmonton spotted Winnipeg 22 points, but even Trey Ford, that was, it was still a decent game. So it's great to see him coming into his own and we'll see what can happen here with Edmonton when, when you can actually get some of their, their players like Eugene Lewis and, you know, Dunbar, you get them involved in, in, in the passing game and let them, let them make plays. I mean, that's what we saw. We saw in that game for sure. Uh, and then you move over to the Hamilton and BC game. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's crazy. It has to be the biggest upset for, for Hamilton, you know, a week before just absolutely dropping the ball, giving the Edmonton Elks their first victory in, in a, in a listless effort from all areas, pretty much. Nothing seemed to go right for Hamilton to seemingly everything going right in a very difficult place to play and, um, and and carving out a victory against the BC Lions, who, you know, the thing about them is incredibly talented team. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you look up and down their roster, they have playmakers. They have the, they have the weapons in all three areas. Their offense is good. Their receivers are good. Their O-line has played better, certainly in the last couple of weeks, but has played is a, is a good group. Um, isn't a great group, but is a good group. And then defense has been, you know, stellar this season, minus a few different games, including this past week. But I, the big thing with the Lions for me, and we talked about this earlier, I wrote about this earlier when, you know, when they came, 
came into Winnipeg and stole the Bombers' lunch money. You know, I, I it's just this this is a club that and, and Winnipeg. You know, it's I know it sounds I don't know if it sounds biased. It probably just sounds draining because you know it's it's hard to kind of compare everybody to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and what they built. But it's hard not to when you live in this city and cover that team. But the one big difference with the Lions is they're still learning how to win and lose. You know, I mean when they like like I said when they when they you know laid that beat down on Winnipeg earlier in the season, you had Alexander Hollins, you know, on social media four days later, like, you know, when the Bombers win a game, they're not thinking about it two days later. And when they lose a game, they're not thinking about it two days later, but here you go, have this up and coming, you know, receiver taking to social media, talking about how we'll come into your house and do whatever we want. And then next week they go into Toronto's house and they get their asses kicked. And then, you know, I bring up Hollins again because there he was, you know, slamming his helmet on the, on the, to the, to the turf, throwing a baby t- temper tantrum, you know, because he didn't get the ball and, and, or after a, that, that costly fumble late in the game, it's just like, it's just like, that's not what good teams do. That's that, that's, you know, talented teams can carve out wins. They can beat you, but, but teams that have that culture, you know, have that winning culture, they don't handle, you know, they handle wins the same way they handle losses. They flush them, they learn from them, they move on. They don't talk about them in years to come. And they certainly don't have these public outbursts. I mean, when was the last time you saw a Winnipeg Blue Bomber, you know, loses, loses cool on the sidelines, you know, or, or, or push a teammate or, or, or get in an argument with a teammate or anything like that. It just doesn't happen because that's the culture they built here. And I think that can be the biggest difference to winning and losing and putting together, you know, tough you know putting together long stretches of victories we've seen the bc lions play extremely well but we've also seen them you know not play great and not not be that consistent team week in and week out and that starts i think with the culture of the team yeah i i i'm i think you nailed it there i mean that that win in winnipeg um a a more mature team would have i think taken that going hey that's a great start we got to do this a few more times um uh I don't think the BC Lions have um, are there yet. And they were pretty darn confident coming in here in their second game, talking about how they were the donut boys and then ended up leaving as the burger boys after uh, they got 50 hung on them. But that's the, the first time the I've weekend, heard that. <laughs> nice, nice, well, nice turn of phrase. Not bad. Um, listen, I was hoping we were going to get another 50 burger on uh, on Thursday. Um, Mm -hmm. is the bombers got it up to 47 and then, and then didn't make it happen. But as as far as for Winnipeg goes, I mean, this, what a, what a month we've got coming up. Um, it goes without saying Labor Day game, Banjo Bowl, two biggest regular season games of the year here in Winnipeg and in Regina, but it's hard. And I know the team won't, especially, I mean, maybe against a lesser team, if they were playing, maybe there's a chance of maybe looking ahead. They won't against Saskatchewan. But forgive me if I'm already looking ahead to September 29th and Andrew Harris finally coming back as a Toronto Argonaut and the defending Grey Cup champions taking on the Bombers in a Grey Cup rematch in what could very well be um, a precursor to what we see in Hamilton in November. Yeah, it's funny because it's, it's, I feel like it should have more hype, right? Like it's bananas that you have to wait this long into the season to kind of, you know, to, to sell that game, to sell the, you know, the last year's great cup game. Like that should be week one. I mean, that should be the buzz going into the season. They should be, you know, or at least within well, the keep first Keep in mind, weeks. Jeff, so we're, me, we're waiting a year plus because 
Well, no, I was just about to get. I was just about to get into that. Is that that's the same (laughs) schedule makers that that decided not to bring Andrew Harris to Winnipeg, um, you know, as as a as a new member of the Toronto Argonauts, and you know, before that, it was Paul LaPolice wasn't coming to Winnipeg, and you know, for when he moved over to Ottawa to coach the team, right? Like it's just it's just like I don't know why you don't you don't have these games. Let me ask you this: Like, do you know much about like? how the schedule is put together and made because I don't absolutely think Levi's going back to Calgary this year. So like, yeah, so like absolutely how, how could they be overlooking the most obvious juicy matchups that would be great for hype would be great for media would be great for TV. I mean, I just, I, it, it seems so like I here's almost the thought thing. that the thing's just done by a computer and that's the way that it has to happen because uh, otherwise it's just a huge fail yeah, on just... multiple levels just jumbled into uh yeah so i no so i i mean i will start off by saying that there is no excuse i think for not having those those marquee games i mean those need to sell them they'll sell themselves to a certain point and they just add intrigue you know and juice to games i mean um but on the other part like what happens is every team has its wish list it has its wish list of what days they like um for instance winnipeg loves thursday games they like thursday games because they think it draws more people, um, you know, talking to Wade Miller, he doesn't love Saturday games because he thinks families have too much going on for Saturday, you know, on Saturday, whether it's, you know, whatever hockey practice, whatever it's going on. Um, obviously not. Well, I guess some kids are playing hockey in the summer, but they got so many activities going on plus lakes and stuff like that. So Winnipeg loves Thursday. Now, if you would have read my sit down with Wade Miller when I was in Montreal, he'd didn't really want this many Thursday games. He thinks there's too many of them, but that's what Winnipeg wants. That's what Winnipeg, you know, they, they try to give you what they can. I mean, obviously there's interdivisional teams. There's obviously the Labor Day Classic and the uh, Banjo Bowl. And then you have the home and homes with several other teams across the league during that, during that stretch. Right. So those things have to go into play. And then there's Toronto who, from what I understand the last few years, just gives a literally gives like 10 dates and you have the CFL has to fit within those ten dates for their their nine home playoff games. So, um, so that becomes a challenge. So I think once you know, I don't I don't think the scheduler makers are like, oh, I don't want Andrew Harris to be in Winnipeg in his first year back. And I just don't think you know, there's got to be something missing there. I mean, I don't think they're lamenting it either. Maybe they're just not thinking about it, but they're working with what they have. It's not a great answer, but. Every, every team has different desires. They have different days they like to play. They have certain events that go on. They have concerts. They have festivals. So a lot of it has to be worked in and around the venues. Now that we have the Canadian, you know, Premier League here, right? Like, that, they, they have dates that they have to work around. So there is a bit of a, you know, st- scheduling snafu. There's potential for scheduling snafus, as we've seen, because there's a lot of things they need to work around. But you just think that they would go a little bit above and beyond to put some of these mar- marquee matchups together. Case in point, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell got traded to Hamilton at the end of last season, right? So it wasn't like it was this new thing. They knew he was going to be there. For him not to be back in Calgary just seems unforgivable. Much like we, but much like Harris, you know, last season not coming to Winnipeg as a member of the. Well, oh, and BA BA just bringing up in uh, in uh, chat that um, Cody Fajardo and the Alouettes aren't going to Saskatchewan this year. It just seems like every yeah. time one of these things happen, they take a year off between playing in that player's home home spot, which is strange. Um, I see it's already up in the chat, so I'll throw this out and folks. Feel free to uh, hit us up on Twitter if you've got an answer as well, or X, excuse me. Um, why not question of the day for not Autocorp over at, over at Waverly and McGilvery? 
uh, will the can the Edmonton Elks actually turn this around and make the playoffs? They're one game back, I guess more two games back of a crossover right now and would need to, I mean, would need to win a number of more games. But um, do you think that these two consecutive wins to start the second half of the season is enough? It, never mind making the playoffs, Jeff. Will the Edmonton Elks be playing meaningful football games in the month of October? They're playing meaningful football games right now, Huss. They play a back-to-back against Calgary. If they can somehow carve out victories yeah. in those two games, they'll be back in the playoff picture, and every other game beyond that will, be, will in fact, be meaningful. That's the, that's the crazy thing. Like, I hate that. I hate that a team can start 0-9 and nine and have other teams trip over themselves enough that their playoff hopes somehow remain. Now, will that happen? I mean, to answer the question, I'm, I would vote no. Do I know the answer? No. I mean – the Edmonton Elks could very well, you know, under Trey Ford, under this resurgence, if you will. Now, now, mind you, I mean, these aren't, you know, they aren't crazy victories. You know, like it's not like, um, you know, Edmonton is 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 beating the you know doors off. Let, let, let's get a victory against the West before we start before we start talking about whether or not the Elks are going to make the playoffs. But they are playing meaningful f- meaningful football because they have to be because they forced themselves into playing meaningful football. I mean, you can make an argument meaningful football for everybody, but will they will if they can if they can find an answer against a, a Calgary Stampeders team that seems to do everything possible to get a victory except for getting over the finish line. They just consistently shoot themselves in the foot. Case in point again this weekend, you know, or are battling, you know, arguably the best team in the CFL right now record-wise in the in the Toronto Argonauts in the middle of the fourth quarter and then they allow a season high fourth return touchdown against. It's just you know, it's just these plays in different games. You could go the week before that against the Bombers. I mean, there were several, there were several one plays for, away from you know being a big difference in that game. So if if the Elks can somehow you know run with this magic, if you will, or or whatever momentum that they've built up over the last two weeks, and they can somehow capitalize against a Calgary team with a penchant for shooting themselves in the foot, yeah, we're talking about a team that's going to be fully in the playoff picture, whether that be third in the West or, or swing over to the East potentially. That's, that's an indictment against the league in my opinion, but it, you know, I think there is some positives that at least there's something to cheer for in, in Edmonton. Cause as bad as things have been going for, for that team, um, as rough as it's been the last year and year and a bit, um, you know, you'd imagine that with a record at zero and nine, that there was absolutely no chance. Suddenly the fact that you have life, hopefully that, uh, Hopefully that helps out the, a fan base out there and gives them something to cheer about down the stretch. And, and they are playing meaningful games, even if they don't end up making the playoffs. No doubt about it. Well, and, and I mean, to be honest, I mean, obviously from a Bomber fan's perspective, it was nice to see BC lose and the Bombers have a two-game cushion. But That's I mean, if BC one. just handles their business, Hamilton would have been at three wins, Ottawa three wins, Calgary three wins, Edmonton two wins. So, I mean, it is absolutely game on for that final playoff spot. And, uh, Hey, you know what? I mean, we always talk about, you know, the loser point in the NHL and like, do I think that it accurately tells you the story or the standings of who the best teams are? Not always, but in the Canadian football league, I mean, there's some haves and some have nots and there's uh, one of those have nots is going to get into the playoffs right now. And as I say, it, it is good for Edmonton to get that win. And, you know, they can stop talking about, I mean, the most embarrassing record 
I think in team sports, I mean, to go that long without winning at home is almost inconceivable. And listen, I've never been a guy to pull for Chris Jones. He's uh, made enough enemies and done enough uh, things in the league to maybe I understand why people were enjoying all this, but man, the CFL needs that Edmonton market to be a hell of a lot healthier than it is right now. And uh, I mean, Listen, I'm not hoping they do anything special come playoff time or even get there. But, Jeff, from someone that covers the league so closely, I mean, a little bit of good news for Edmonton um, I think can go a long way right now because that was miserable. And, I mean, that when one of your prestige franchises that have been there for so long is in the spot that you're in, I mean, that's that's bad news for everybody in the CFO. Yeah, I'll, I'll lift this comment from a good friend of mine in Calgary, Danny Austin, on his uh, Live from the 55 podcast that he does every week. I, I thought the, he put this succinctly that for years we were talking about, you know, trying to fix the organizations in BC and in, in Montreal and in, and in Toronto, right? And I mean, while I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's, everything's fixed in Toronto, the winning has certainly been fixed. They've been, you know, they've been a team to be reckoned with now for a couple of years. And of course, this season, the best record in the league. Now we're talking about Alberta being the problem. Talking about Edmonton and Calgary as as they're as they've declined. I mean, that's that's kind of unheard of a little bit. And and yeah, I mean, like like the CFL needs all nine of its teams to be strong. It certainly can't have what was once a, a flagship organization in the Edmonton Elks. Um, you know, on the fan base, a passionate fan base, a hardcore fan base in Edmonton. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, winning, winning will certainly help with that. I, I do believe, you know, you, you start if they can finish up this stretch here and even if they can get into the playoffs, you know, crazy as that might sound, I think it could really it could really do a lot to rejuvenate a fan base that just at this point finds no reason to go to the games. I mean, it's to be part of that historic, you know, loss. It, it, it's tough. And, and to, to see, you know, your team. Not just not just lose, right? Because it's one thing to lose. I think if you look at Calgary, like they've been losing but very, very close games. The the Edmonton Elks have just been a disaster ever since Chris Jones took over. And it just, you know, you, if you wanted to give him an entire year, which sounds crazy in CFL standards to get things right, you were able to do that. To see what's happening this year is just it's just absolutely bananas. And to see some of the ways in which they lose, it's just it's just ugly. So yeah, I mean, I, I think for all that's happened in the, you know, in the front offices with changes up up top and, you know, the rumors of, of a toxic work culture and all these things, I'll tell you what, talk to anybody that's ever worked on a sports team or a sports organization, you, the, the mood of the room, whether it's in the locker room or upstairs in the front office is based on whether or not the team is winning. There's not a single team out there, whether you're in the ticket sales department or whatever department you're in trying to sell a team. That if you're, let alone have a losing record, let alone have an 0-9 record, imagine calling people and asking them if they want to buy tickets. Like, when, when when your CEO is giving away tickets as long as you win, it's just, nobody's having a good time. There's absolutely no surprise to me that people aren't having a good time showing up there. So, yeah, Edmonton, figure it out. Let's get back to where you were and uh, back to a healthy organization. As you yeah, and just, just on that, and we can kind of talk about this and laugh a little bit now that they actually have won a couple games in a row. But when Edmonton was in town, I may have told the story on the show already, but uh, I got together with Dusty, who was into calling the game, and his old pal Hernan Salas, who used to work for the station, is now the DC, basically, of uh, of Edmonton, the communications guy. And he brought along 
the marketing guy from the elk so we're sitting down at the uh, the keg downtown and he said so guys uh how is the season going and as someone that listen i worked for the jets or the moose the year after the jets left like i've I have some personal experience with some pretty dire situations of working in a front office, mm. but man, that Edmonton situation and just talking to those dudes about what's going on every day was, uh, and this wasn't specific to Victor Quee. It was more about just the atmosphere, the dark cloud around them. And you know, the fact they hadn't won a damn game at home in forever. So uh, certainly it's probably a little easier for all those people to get into work right now, but still a lot of work left to do for the Edmonton Elks. Um, we'll probably pay a little bit more attention to these top teams. And of course, we've got a very interesting week coming up with the Bombers taking on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the Labor Day game. Um, and you know what? Funny, Jeff, we're talking about all these teams with three wins and now one team has four wins. Um you know all of those teams are going to be pulling for the Bombers to do what they have done for the last uh, little few years going up against the Riders because I know they've got five wins, but they could easily be five and seven in a couple weeks, and uh, I still don't know how Saskatchewan matches up against some of those other teams if they're getting on a bit of a heater. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's Saskatchewan, man. I mean, Domagala certainly looked pretty decent uh, against that supposedly stingy BC Lions defense. So that, there's something to take away from it. I think if I think that's created a bit of an interesting situation for Saskatchewan. I was I was somewhat surprised to hear and now I understand there's a whole bye week in between, right? So there's other factors at play here. Um, you know, to the point where I, I'm just I'm just a bit surprised that Craig Dickinson didn't announce Jake Dolgala as the starter for this week. You know what I mean? I, I you know I get Mason Fine as a hamstring injury. It's lining up to that two three week absence. You know after the Banjo Bowl, but just be able to see what he was able to do. Not just what he was able to do, but how he handled himself in that game. I thought he looked comfortable, looked confident, looked like a leader at certain times. Um, it's just kind of surprising. Now, is that going to change anything announcing him now or announcing him later? No, obviously not. I'm sure Dolgala knows more than me and outside outsiders, you know, from the locker room know. And he probably he probably knows he's starting and is going to handle it as a starter regardless. But it just seemed like a nice vote of confidence post game would go a bit bit of a ways for a team that just hasn't seemed to been able to find it. Right? It's just they, you know, they've certainly had their 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 dose of bad luck when it comes to injuries, inconsistency. I mean, Trevor Harris brought some life to that organization. I would argue that he wasn't great, but you know, in the games leading up, lead up to his injury, but mm -hmm. certainly was bringing some level of consistency and, and uh, you know, execution to the offense. But um, yeah, I don't know. This is just, to me, I thought Jake Dolgala saved Craig Dickinson's job because I'm not saying they're, they're not going to go full bombers 2000. What was that? 2000 and, 14 15 was it that they fired Paul at police and then and then uh or four, no 13 13 they fired Paul at police yeah. and then Tim Book took over for his first game in Labor Day Classic and got dusted 52 nothing I, I was there I don't think that I was there I don't think they're gonna do that to, to Craig Dickinson but I I do think that you know five and five looks a whole lot better than four and six and you know and um it's 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 interesting because four and six sounds a lot better than I thought the the uh, riders might be at this point in time or five and five, sorry, is a lot better uh, than what I thought they'd be at this point. So, you know, they get to probably keep their jobs for the rest of the year, but I think it does create with that momentum that they got from BC mixed in with the bye week here mixed in with the energy that comes with every Labor Day classic. 
You know they're going to be feeling confident, you know, confident in their game. Uh, the coaching staff is going to be confident in their game plan. It's just now up to the Bombers to uh, to match that and uh, find a way to win like they've done over the last few years. Hey, Jeff Hamilton with us from Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, we got to run, but very quickly, will you be in Regina? And will we be getting another edition of Ted and Jeff's excellent adventure on the ground? I can tell you for sure that I will be in Regina. Absolutely. I can also confirm that Ted Wyman will also be there. Yes. That sets up the stage for potentially a Jeff and Ted's uh, Labor Day Adventures. Third third time running. Usually the sequel isn't better than the original, but I'll tell you what, it's just getting better and better each year, getting more comfortable. He's getting more, more comfortable with our relationship where I bring him down and then prop him back up and bring him down and prop him back up. So it should be an exciting weekend for everybody. Tune in. It's on Instagram. Probably be there all weekend. I love it. And of course, we'll be all over your uh, reporting in the uh, free heading into the big game on the weekend. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Get some rest after your, uh, your big weekend. Always a pleasure being on. Thanks, Haas. Definitely feeling great. Looking forward to this week. And shout out to the uh, the viewers. You guys know you make the show. Beautiful stuff. Great stuff. And uh, again, uh, hopefully maybe I'll see Jeff this week and uh, haven't decided whether it'll be a last minute trip out to the game. But it's always a possibility. All right. Um, we got Feinberg coming up. We got some big golf news to talk about. We got an upcoming NFL season that I want to pick his brain on. But of course, when we're talking bombers on this program, we do it for our friends at Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them in store, two locations in the Peg, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24 7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, still some time to take care of some of those projects for the summer gang but you might want to get down to consolidated supply asap to take advantage of the time that we have left of course consolidated supply are the leaders in irrigation systems artificial turf if you want that dream putting green in the backyard and of course they're the exclusive club car dealer in manitoba with great deals on new and used golf carts and other club car vehicles as well Perfect for industrial use. They've also got other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And of course, they're also the leaders in small engine parts and repair. So much that Consolidated Supply can do for you. Head on down to the new showroom open to the public at 1395 Niaqua Road East or find out more online and check them out at their website at CTE. .ca. Well, we're going to be kicking around a little NFL with Feinberg coming up. And all the new NFL gear is arriving by the day at Royal Sports. All 32 teams represented. You want to get your favorite lid or a new jersey for your fantasy draft? Get on down to Royal Sports today. And of course, Royal is also, I mean, your spot for Blue Bomber gear before you make the trip to Regina. Jets gear before training camp coming up and the biggest and best hockey selection in town is the hockey experts in Winnipeg for over 40 years. It's all there at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And give them a follow on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sale information at Royal Sports Pemina. Well, folks, we're two weeks away from Monday Night Football being back. And that is synonymous with good times at Boston Pizza. Tonight, uh, as far as Monday goes, 
time to watch the Blue Jays get a big win and get uh, start maybe win a series. Started off with Gosman on the hill against the Nats. Of course, the best place to get together with friends for the big game is always your local BP. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. Staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, so all week long, we will be talking NFL. We will be talking fantasy football. And uh, this is a great combo segment because we also need our next guest to do a bit of a victory lap because uh, his guy, Vic Hovland, just won $18 million at the Tour Championship. And many of his followers, a little bit of extra scratch as well. Jeff Feinberg joins us now. Now, Feinberg, were you doing a little daddy duty at Canada's Wonderland with some of that Vic Hovland scratch this morning? How are you? Not quite Canada's Wonderland, Huss. I was at the CNE, the uh, Canadian National Exhibition uh, oh, that runs through here. Yeah, so that that's where we were this morning. It's a little more like uh, grungier than Wonderland, but, you know, fair food, all that good stuff. So I am I'm ready for a nap. But uh, I don't know. You got me fired up in that intro. Other than the fact that the you mentioned the Blue Jays, I wanted to vomit. Now I got to waste hours tonight watching them lose again. Pains me. <laughs> uh, they so, need this one tonight. They need this series tonight. Right now, two and a half, uh, two and a half back. Um, but let's get to the the golf. I, I want to talk NFL. But I mean, what a season for Victor and what a season for you. I mean, uh, you know, you've had some good, you know, I listen, when you do this uh, as long as you have, and as we have making picks all along, I mean, you'll get on hot streaks, but there was never any doubt that you were a Victor Hovland believer. And I know he doesn't have his major championship yet, but he has ascended to, I mean, being right there battling for the number one spot in the world with the likes of Rory, with the likes of Scotty Scheffler. And he proved it again without a question of a doubt at East Lake in Atlanta on the weekend. I I appreciate the kind words, Huss. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't a season full of winners, unfortunately. There were a lot of long shots and big events, and they were all kind of over my head. Your Keegans, your Wyndhams, your Harmons, your Glovers. Not here, but all season long, the good, the bad, even off the second places, even... When I picked Victor Hovland to win the Masters Hustler, where I think he finished in the top third, I was ridiculed for the pick. Like, you're insane. Even in May. In May, I felt like I have to defend this guy too much. Why don't people use their eyeballs? Just wasn't closing out. It was that tough PGA loss to John Rahm. And here's the thing. Saying Victor Hovland's good, Victor Hovland's going to be good. I don't, like, I don't get credit for that. That's like saying the guy going, like, third, second, first overall in a draft is going to be good. Pizza is good. But there were too many people who were like, he doesn't have that dog in him. He's not going to win big events. And I was like, big of, like, what is wrong with you? When this guy is on, when this guy is on, his ceiling is as good as any golf in the world. In the world. And he has slowly but surely raised the level of his floor. We don't have the diabolical chipping and greenside mistakes that we used to. So I'm all in. And your audience can appreciate this, Huss. On that Victor wagon last night, what did we do? We made Masters and PGA Championship at Valhalla, which should be perfect for him. Parlayed them both with the Elks to get off the mat, baby. So I'm already <laughs> ready for next season. Victor's my prince. 
when he wins the major, he comes the king. <laughs> what's uh, what's the number on him for the Masters right now? There are still some 25s. They probably moved, but I joked a couple weeks ago before he got his win, or maybe last week when he got his win, Huss, like when I have a five-star NFL play this year, I'm going like all in on that, but then 90, uh, uh, 10% of that stake is going on a victor with the major. And I, like if that bet loses, I'm going to be mad I lost that my five-star NFL bet, the 90%, not the 10% that went to some golf parlay. Like I'll, yeah. I'll be, I've lost enough money that I won't miss the parlay money. And if that bet wins, I feel like, hey, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be so happy to have hit that. I won't mind giving that 10% away for that golden ticket down the road. But yeah, I'm all in on Victor. Uh, he's made me, he's entrenched my belief that my eyeballs on Justin Herbert can, can, can live up to what I believe they tell me they see us. Well, I loved your, I love that is a great segue and we will touch on Herbert in just a moment, but before we move off golf, the season's over. However, the Ryder cup is coming up. You've got a pretty good pulse on this. Um, is Brooks going to be playing for the USA? Uh, is JT going to get a very controversial captain selection? What do you make of the U.S. team uh, in particular as it relates to those two guys for the Ryder Cup next month? Okay, so super exciting stuff, Huss. And 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow is when we are getting the USA team announcement from Captain Zach Johnson. I believe Brooks Kepka is on the team. He's won the PGA Championship. He he had done enough. He was essentially in the points with such limited events for the whole season. For them not to take Brooks, it would almost create such a controversial talking point It would that that I feel like it almost wouldn't be worth it. Let alone the fact that it's Brooks Kepka. He's alpha. It's match play. Uh, put him in the put him in the dungeon. Give him a partner. That, let him carry a team. It doesn't matter. Brooks will be on the team. Justin Thomas is where it gets tricky. Um, you know, it's, it's what matters more. Does form or does, you know, experience, reputation. This is not the oldest USA team, Huss. I personally believe they will take Justin Thomas. A lot of people, and that is controversial, and a lot of people disagree with me. But I do believe they will take Justin Thomas on this team. He's an exceptional player in in in. Team Golf, President's Cup, Ryder Cup. You can pair him with a partner and say, you know, whether he goes seven over or seven up, like I would just say, just be so aggressive, Justin. Like, just go all out. I, I believe he's going to be there. And I would honestly take him, as controversial as that sounds, I, I would take him and I would take Cameron Young. Does Zach Johnson have the balls to sort of take reputation and expectation? over maybe players who have earned it on form, Keegan, Lucas, Russell Henley for 15 weeks has been a wagon, like striking the ball. He can make, you can make a case for him as well, but you asked me about Brooks and JT. I think they're both there. Um, Matt, who's the, who are the six guys that are on it right now? Homa, Homa is in, uh, is in obviously Scheffler. Okay, so Homa, Scheffler, uh, Cantley, Xander, uh, you've almost got me draw, uh, Wyndham and Harmon. Okay, Those yes, with, with okay? the wins. And then Morikawa, you know, he, he was on this team even if he didn't have that little quality playoff. 
Morikawa, Spieth brings us up to eight. Mm -hmm. um, Brooks brings us to nine. Ricky Fowler, you can make the case, doesn't deserve this team more than Keegan Bradley. Keegan Bradley won a elevated event, Hustler, and is ending the season in form. Ricky won in Detroit. It was fun. No disrespect. <laughs> I'm a Ricky Fowler fan, and the only actual, like, to make the team bet I have is I have a Ricky Fowler to make this team at a 4-1 to one future. And I, I think he should be on the team, but we're giving it to Fowler, so now we have 10. And there's two spots left. And the names are Justin Thomas, Cameron Young, Keegan Bradley, Lucas Glover, Russell Henley. And it's a sh it is such a sad, it breaks my soul, Huss, that we could be here and Tony Finau has to be the like sixth name I've mentioned. And I don't even know if he's got a freaking chance. But there are people that say, screw JT. If you want that veteran, that guy, bring Finau. He's playing marginally better. He's the... I know it's a jokes thing to say or not serious, but like vibes and team room and he cuts up the dance floor. Like, I don't know what's going on through Zach Johnson's head. If it's me, I'm taking Justin and Cam Young. And those are very unpopular picks. Cam Young, especially. If Cam Young makes this team and some books have a minus 400, minus 500 to make the team hus, to me, that pick would be unprecedented. And what I mean by that, zero career PGA Tour victories. He didn't even make it to Eastlake. He was healthy. The only way in my life that you could get on Team USA without making to Eastlake, a Team USA all-star team, is the, the bouncer at the door needs to see a two-major minimum. Those are the type of guys that have held on to Team USA while doing that. Um, if this was last year, he would have been on the team. He would have been to Eastlake. It didn't matter that he didn't win. He would have played so well, like he was on the President's Cup team. But last year isn't this year. But I, I don't know. I, I think he's so good and was so good at that President's Cup. I would still take him, Huss. Jeff Feinberg's with us. So Ryder Cup announcement tomorrow on the show. We'll uh, certainly get to that. Who Should be take quite interesting. Well, I mean, put it this way. I think I I take Vic. I, I sorry, I take uh, Brooks. Yeah. Uh, I. I I mean, I, I understand the argument for Justin Thomas. It's just that the guy has been so lost. I mean, it'd be one thing if he played, he kind of showed that he was trending in the right direction. Uh, but listen, reputation matters in this event. Experience and history matters in this Justin? event. One extra case would be forever. We would see Europe because they had no depth. They would be forced. And forced might be the wrong word. They'd have no other options but to take their... Their, their pedigree players, even in horrible form, like the form that JT is in. And they would have to take them to fill the middle leg of their team, not even the back end. And they, they somehow were adequate, always. And they did their job. And the U.S. has the luxury of, like, making him the 12th man. That being said, it could be very detrimental to the process because to take Cam Young and JT would almost like be saying you can't even earn your way onto this team. Lucas, yeah. Russell, Keegan, you just it doesn't matter. You can't even earn your way on unless you win a major like Harmon or Wyndham did. And that's the, the only way they're there. Well, especially Harmon. No offense, who's been outstanding as well. And he's there. Yeah. And deservedly. But that's my point. Yeah. The one guy that I didn't mention that I think 
I don't know whether he'll be there, but I think should get consideration uh, is Sam Burns. And yeah. Burns is another guy that, I mean, you know, he won the match play. He has played at a high level, shown that he can do it. And a match play is big because of the fact that it is a match play event as well. So and he's I don't a killer. Know, I'm fascinated. Like he's just proven he's got this like killer mentality that I believe, I know it's a corny word to say, like bulldog. But yeah, you said it. He won. He wanted a, the W, or, you know, the WGC. If they still don't call him that anymore, so I, I agree. And that's a name that I I omitted, but it also shows it's another name that probably deserves the spot more than JT and Cam. But his odds, you get plus money on Sam Burns today, Huss. Yeah, no kidding. And wh what's the number on Bradley? Because Bradley's a guy that I thought was there, and now, I mean, he was sort of in different showing in Chicago. Was not in a, has not put himself in a good spot right now, despite playing very, very well and pretty consistently for a good part of the PGA Tour season. Okay, for all the talk of a Glover or anything like that, or even Fowler, what has Keegan Bradley done? He had form to win an elevated event, and he's also rolled over the form. We're now over a month away or past that, and he's still playing really well. You can get Keegan uh, plus one fifty. You can get you can get Keegan. You can get Sam Burns plus one forty. Um, you know Brooks is minus two thousand. Justin Thomas was like minus four hundred a week ago. He's now like about minus one seventy now, Huss. So there is some cold water being being thrown on that one, and I. I totally get it. I wouldn't even argue against any of the picks. I'll say, I have bet Europe. So as someone who's bet Europe, it's almost like when you bet the other side of a football game. It's like you want the other team to punt on fourth and two. You don't want them to go for it. Like you want the team you bet against to not make the decisions you want them to make. I don't know why I've bet on Europe and people should be like, you should want them to bring JT. And part of me is like, no, bring Henley. I don't mean that's who I would bring, but like that's uh, I would be more afraid of JT. Maybe I'm a sucker for a name on paper, though. It's cost me money in the past. Uh, Feinberg's with us. Uh, you mentioned 25-year-old Victor Hovland hitting his stride, and um, you know, obviously having this great finish to the season. Will your other prince, 25-year-old Justin Herbert, be able to take this Charger squad that finished? last year in such a spectacular fashion um move past that and take this team to the next level first of all give us the vibes around your team right now how are you feeling and uh, i mean this team is so talented what do they need to do to uh you know whether they win the afc west or not be there and be a be a problem for teams come playoff time so the vibe is um They've got to stay healthy, and the guys that are paid to be stars have to be stars. That would be most important. But last year kind of felt like in some ways, at least um, you could say for all the struggles and all the injuries, they still won 10 games. They were still in the playoffs. They were still there, and then it all, you know, it all sort of collapsed on them in the worst possible way. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen played 100 snaps together in total, together on the field last year. I think Rashawn Slater played their all pro left tackle. So if they could be healthy, they could be a real force hustler. It was a slow burn for me because after a playoff loss like that, I don't get off the mat easy. It took a lot out of me. 
the youthful exuberance that I have that you probably sense talking golf wasn't there talking Chargers a little ago, but it is coming back because I am excited and all the reports from camp are with Kellen Moore. It's a lot. The ball is traveling in the air. It ain't this Joe Lombardi chucking it around last year, but last year, Josh Palmer had a hundred targets and Austin Eckler had a hundred targets. It's really hard for the Chargers to succeed and be that great team when that's what happens. If Allen and Williams are there, uh, you know, Kellen Moore senses we're, we're throwing this ball downfield. Like we are chucking it around the yard, Hustler. That's the plan. And I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud because I shouldn't. I should just close my mouth. But it was a very healthy camp. Like knock on wood, I need a fine wood. It was a healthy camp. They enter week one healthy. I don't know how long that'll last. And there's still a week of practice before week one. But that's really, as a Charger fan, like if anything can go our way, what would it be? Oh, I just want to be healthy when, when we need to play the important games. Uh, you make a great point. It. I mean, usually it's been Derwood James or Bose or somebody that's already out significant time and other guys banged up. Kate, let's talk fantasy for a minute. Uh, no one knows this team better than you. How confident would you be using a mid-round, first-round pick on Austin Eckler? Um, there was a lot of you know off-season talk that maybe he'd moved. No different than half the running backs in the league that have been productive. Where's his spot right now and your confidence levels that he can help people win games in fantasy this year? I I would expect pretty much what he's been given the last few years. And he's at the last end of the contract, so he's going to want to do everything he can. And the Chargers, there might be the sense that we're probably not interested in signing him to a long-term deal. So we are going to literally, like, get as much juice, whatever, in that tank and put it on the football field this year. It's a high-powered offense. It should score lots. If it's a touchdown-heavy league where you're getting six points instead of four maybe for touchdowns, I don't know. He seems to score more than anybody with Kellen Moore in the offense, they should be running more plays. They should be playing at a faster pace. If you are deciding to go running back over receiver near that mid-top, I, I would love to be taking Eckler. Um, what, uh, I mean, obviously, I know you got your big home league, probably in a few other ones. Um, who, uh, when you look around the league, everyone's got some guys that they really like. Uh who are the guys on these lists that are making you particularly more aroused for the upcoming season and that they need to be in your lineup? Uh, any any spots around the league that you're uh, paying close attention to or maybe higher on than others? Yeah, uh, yeah getting really random. I'm really like punting on tight end. Uh, punting on it hard. Get me like David Njoku. Like I'm all about something like that there, Hustler. I'm loving the running back in Pittsburgh. He reminds me of, of like, it's literally like Darren's, I said Darren's was of Austin Eckler. Uh, it looks like such a beautiful uh, position to be taken advantage of. And I know he's banged up, so he might even be going farther than he should. I love the first round receiver the Titans took a year ago, Burks from Arkansas. Yep. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan uh, of this one. So those, I guess would be, um, yeah, those would be three players at three different positions that are definitely later down the board that I'm that I'm looking to get as much of as I can. Hey, what a, a speaking of, 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 let's look at the receivers and 
I mean, yeah, Jefferson's off the board right away. Jamar Chase is obviously off the board right away. Where are you on? What are your expectations for Cooper Cup this year? Because he comes to a really, really young team. Stafford is back. He's been so incredibly productive when healthy. But the Rams overall are a team. I actually have heard some people that are sort of a little high on the Rams, which is maybe contrary to conventional opinion because of where they're at right now. But maybe just a thought on that team, but specifically Cooper Cup from a fantasy perspective. I mean, like the bullish scenario is if Matthew Stafford is healthy, it's like a top three quarterback in the NFC. Aaron Donald wasn't healthy last year. Cooper Cup wasn't healthy. They got better. They played well with um, with Mayfield down the stretch. Maybe there's things to build upon. You can trust Sean McVay as a coach. The question you asked specifically, Hustler, ironic because it's the one I'm battling, my home league. I got, it's what's most important to me. I got the fourth pick. I'm essentially probably staring down maybe Austin Eckler. I see Cup going near like 10, and I see other people with Cup as YR2. So I am like so torn on this. But I got to tell you, I really do like and trust Cooper Cup and would probably make him my third receiver after Jefferson and Chase. It's an ACL. That's like a perfected science injury. It's not like when me and you were younger, Huss. It was like, oh my God, will they ever recover? Like, will they ever? No, we've seen the ACL is like, it's like science has perfected that operation. And props to them. He, between Sean McVay's play calling, I trust Cup to eat. I don't even care who the quarterback is. It would almost be better if they're bad, in a sense, where we could get Cup garbage time would be amazing. So many free catches. But yeah, I'm thinking about Cup uh, as high as fourth overall. Um, the other side of things is uh, fade material. Uh, when you look at these boards, um, are there teams or players that you want no part of, even if they are way higher on whatever list you have in front of you than the other players avail? Uh, I'm not so much, so much there in terms of like I'm going to fade teams. I will use this opportunity to say, I don't, to me, it seems impossible that everything's going to work out for the Jets and Detroit simultaneously. Like if you had, because we're expecting so much from both, that if there were odds as to which team will actually be the most disappointing team, and there's no way to score that because it might not even be by wins, all right? But the Jets and the Lions would also probably be the favorites in the which two teams will be the most disappointing because we're all expecting so much. I think there's such a hate on for the Vikings. So what if they don't win 13 games? They're not a six-win team. Uh, and, and the Jets, I don't know. I like the Bills week one. I have not made any other week one bet other than I've already bet the Bills week one Hus on a Monday night. So I'm foaming at the mouth. You mentioned we're two weeks from that. So that would be my, I'm just not totally there yet. That being said, I could easily, like it won't take much for me to like quickly be all in on the lions like everyone else like we could still be in september and i'm like i've seen enough and i don't know if it starts with with your head on a stick in the thursday night opener i mean the it does not but... it does not <laughs> yeah it probably doesn't you guys are dropping a banner i don't question the chiefs ever even last year when we spoke when there was loud yep. noise i was like 
I, I'm excited as a Charger fan, but I do not discount the Chiefs at all. I told you, you guys were going to be amazing. Didn't think you were going to win the Super Bowl. Gosh, that stings me. But I told you out of the gate, or before, like when all of it started, even the Hill trade, you guys are not going to lose a beat. Hey, uh, you know what? Just while we're at it, before we go, um, quick thoughts on the other two teams in the AFC West, um, the Raiders situation. And then what, what do you expect from Denver now with Sean Payton? Are they going to be a problem or are they going to be more the same? They might be a problem, Huss, because Sean Payton like was really good at maximizing mid some mid level quarterbacking when, when breeze was hurt, but I'll even expand upon that to say something that could be really unfair. Drew Brees, of the all the all uh, all time great quarterbacks, Drew Brees is the worst one. He's the worst one. I'll like die on that hill. Like we list on who do we think are all time greats. Brees is there. He's last place on that list. He's the best, worst of the greatest. Not a diss. Sean Payton like did that. Sean Payton did that. No, he's not going to make Russ a top six quarterback. But with that defense, he could probably get just enough out of the position to make them as scary as they need to be with that home field advantage they usually have. We got luck. I don't know if we'll we dodge the rust bullet. Are we gonna dodge like two in a row there as they try to fix it with money or you know going for the all-in swings? I hope so. As for the Raiders, I'm I'm an alt under country hus. Like I'm on raid, like I think it's a seven and a half win total seven. You go show me the fives to the under. I'll buy them. Yes. <laughs> uh, Raiders and Cardinals. Let's get a, as low of a number as we can and hammer them. The Cardinals. Team. I don't think we've ever seen Huss a team. This is like this is top to bottom organizational. I'm so proud of them. Like if I was a fan, I'd be like, yes, thank you. I think you're doing it right. Lovey Smith. It wasn't top to bottom. Brian Flores, it clearly wasn't top to bottom. In Arizona, with this new regime, the moves they made all offseason, getting Houston's pick even for next year, letting veterans walk out the door, and now starting a guy, Josh Dobbs, that they acquired a week ago, <laughs> it is a top to bottom. Like, there is cohesion here on the plan. So I don't think it's going to fail. I have Arizona under 4.5, minus 110. It's still four and a half with juice. I might go lay some more. This isn't, there's no way they win five games. No, I, 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 the question is which team is buying Kyler for 40 cents on the dollar next winter? Like, that's where my head is at. Who wants Kyler for 40 cents on the dollar? There'll be a bunch of teams who, I think there'll be a couple lining up to try that. We'll be in a mix. Well, uh, just be happy that you're in a situation where you don't have to discuss your team being in on a 40 cent Kyler Murray. And uh, I'm the same way, uh, Matt, God, the uh, NFC win total show was hilarious. Uh, I know the boys were on a golf trip and now they're back. What uh, fill us in on what's coming up as we get ready for the season over at uh, Mayo media network with uh, Pat and Tim. Oh, it's going to be a banana land week. Huss. Like I'll let the rabbit out right now. There have been some teases, but we are recording later tonight, a win, a wins draft. So it's me, Pat, Tim, Cam and Pozzola. Uh, oh, uh, so that, 
Yeah, so I guess we all draft five teams most wins. So that'll be fun. And that'll also be followed up with an AFC win total show this week. Also followed up, I believe, tonight with uh, Pozzola, Cam, and Pat doing their best bets for the season is getting released. So it's a banana land week, and we'll probably have a live reaction show to Zach Johnson's captain's picks tomorrow. So if you're interested in that, check it out, because there's going to be a lot of thoughts running through uh, any golf hands head, fans' heads once those get knocked out. Uh, great stuff. Well, at G Feinberg 17, uh, get on over to YouTube. If you haven't already subscribe to Mayo media network, check out all the great content. Feinberg, you're the best buddy. It was a great day to have you on. I need to get to an all time fantasy football draft debacle coming up in a minute, but let's hope that all your drafts go well. The shows go well. And, uh, let's see some big time games between the chiefs and Chargers this year with a lot on the line. Love it, Hassan. Yeah, I saw you ranting last night, so I'll be I'll be tuned in on the YouTube. Uh, I'm looking forward. I've been percolating as to what this could be about, so I'll be one of your viewers. <laughs> right on. There it is, Jeff Feinberg with us. Yeah, we're gonna get to that story in just uh, in just a second, and it is an absolute absolute doozy. I, I know Commissioner Jamie Thomas of uh, our league tonight has things ship shape and ready to go for the uh for tonight's uh tonight's draft uh all right just before we get to that uh and we'll get to the cool bet lines in a couple of minutes uh big shout out to our friends over at little brown jug hope you had a few uh 1919s on the weekend or a few generic loggers um and i know the liquor commission strike is there but this was a good reminder that the best place to get local beers is at the local breweries and no better spot than the brewery and tap room at Little Brown Jug down on William Avenue, where we will be hosting our latest edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia on September 13th. Uh, it's a Wednesday night. You don't have to miss any games. We'll have a Thursday night or the next day. Uh, but it is important, folks, that you get to the link. There's a link in the description of this video or go to winnipegsportstalk.com. There's a link right up at the top of the page and get your tickets now. Uh, we were stunned at how quickly the response was when we announced this about a week ago, and um, we don't have a lot of room left. Uh, there is limited capacity, obviously, with the uh, with the room. We're hoping to be doing it outside, weather permitting, uh, but if you do want to make sure you and your friends are in, get on over to that Eventbrite link, get your tickets, reserve them, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you for our third edition of WST Sports Trivia coming up in a couple weeks. Um, of course, we just talked a whole bunch of golf with Jeff Feinberg. We'll get to the uh, Ryder Cup uh, team tomorrow. And a big shout-out to our friends at Breezy Bend Country Club for their support all season long. Courses never look better. Those brand-new greens on uh, 7 and 15 are open now. Everyone loves them. If you're thinking about a great long-term home for you and your family at one of Manitoba's top private courses, Breezy is the spot. Call Corey Johnson at the clubhouse. Go to breezyben.ca and get on the waiting list right now for 2024. And hopefully we'll see you at the bend coming up next year. Hey, a big shout out to Doug Brown. Doug taking advantage of the weekend and a little bit of time with the Bombers playing on Thursday to get up to Aikens Lake. And I saw on Twitter yesterday, DB pulling out first day 
a Master Angler 28-inch walleye. So cheers to Doug Brown and cheers to the uh, great people at Aikens Lake. A world-class fishing and even more world-class hospitality. Find out more about booking for the 2024 season uh, for private, family event, corporate gatherings as well. It's all there, AikensLake.com or hit up Pit Turen at Aikens Lake on Twitter. Um, and hey, big cheers to the Gold Eyes. Beautiful, beautiful weekend for the fish. And um, listen, it's been a real tough season uh, as far as the year went on the uh, on the field. However, the Gold Eyes did finish up with a pretty nice, pretty nice weekend, which included. A brand new player coming in and throwing a complete game shutout in his pro debut. Uh, that was what it was all about at the ballpark on the weekend. And uh, it was uh, RJ Martinez. He uh, got it done. Complete game, four game shutout. What a uh, what a win and um, what a nice way to finish off the season. Shout out to everyone that went out to the ballpark and everyone that joined us for that event earlier this season. Fish hit the road for the final week of the regular season. And uh, we'll wrap the season at some point coming up with our pal Andrew Collier as well. All right. I'm going to get to the cool bet lines in just a minute. But let me roll this out for you people. Last night, I alluded to this on Twitter. An absolute fantasy football draft disaster. Uh, I have been playing for over 20 years, for sure. Maybe 25. And I've never had anything like this happen. And, and it gives you that much more appreciation for the commissioners out there that are holding it down, that are doing a lot of the dirty work, that are organized and prepared. Um, I will not name names, but I was in a league yesterday. This league's been going on for a long time. It is sort of an in-depth league. It has individual uh, defensive players. So it already is a longer draft. There is keepers that are put in, not very many, but that are put in. And all of that was done perfectly. And we're using a new site, which actually is amazing, called Sleeper. Perfect for dynasty leagues and things that are a little bit more, um, you know, there's a little more under the hood, if you will. Um, so it's draft day last night. Seven o'clock start. We've got somebody's in Orlando, somebody's in an airport uh, out west waiting for their flight to come home. Someone's at the lake waiting to do it and then drive back. Uh, everyone putting out everything that they have to do to get it on to be ready to draft at seven. The, the commissioner of this league that has come up with this, all the rules, this guy is the most hardcore fantasy football guy I think I know. He's the, he's the guy sending you trade offers at three in the morning. Um, also a family guy, though. I'm pretty sure he's got a pretty busy family life. But, I mean, the draft day is like Christmas for this individual. So it was very strange when the draft started and he was not there. Now, it wasn't a big deal, and I didn't think, I thought it might be planned because this individual had also traded all of his picks in like the first nine rounds over the course of the last couple of years. However, I had some extra picks. I wanted McCaffrey as a keeper. I, I traded him a fourth-round pick. We'll get to that in a minute. So the draft begins a little late, which was strange. 
everyone else was there but the commissioner but it didn't and i think there was some sort of a setting on sleeper that the commissioner had to be there um online whatever happens he starts it it goes through the picks we get to the fourth round and this is his first actual selection the pick that i traded to him the clock runs down to zero and it just says time's up now you would think normally that okay you missed your pick it's an auto pick move on to the next guy well that didn't happen so we are waiting for him with the commissioner settings to change it well unfortunately no one seemed to know where this guy was people are texting no answer people are calling no answer after about half an hour somebody gets a hold of him on the horn our commissioner was on a bike trail in the sandy lands yesterday his bike broke down and was stranded on a trail for four to five hours now he was still stranded when we got the draft going. What unfortunately happened was that he, because of the way he'd set it up, had to go in and when a pick wasn't made, had to go in and do it. Well, he wasn't there. No one else could set in. So now we're waiting again for a long time. And I mean, the chat at this point is nuclear, as you can imagine. And essentially it came down to this. So let me get this straight. We're waiting for someone in the middle of nowhere on a broken down bike on a trail to walk around and get service in the middle of a forest so we can resume the draft. That's exactly the situation that we were in. So a lot of guys leave. Somehow he finds a spot. It gets going again for a little bit until it happens again. I think we ended up having 14 or 15 pauses or breaks in the draft. It ended up going at probably five or so hours. Many guys that were ready to go for their draft when it was supposed to happen. Well, poor Terry was on a plane. He missed a bunch of his, of his picks. Guys were driving back from the lake at that point, missing picks. All time schmozzle debacle for the draft. Needless to say, impeachment proceedings for the commissioner were brought up in the chat. Um, the league itself, I mean, everyone was just on the waiver wire today making picks if they didn't make them so far. And uh, it taught many lessons. There's many lessons from this league. First of all, commissioners do not plan recreational activities in the middle of nowhere without a proper buffer to make sure that you were there to run your league have a backup plan if your technology goes out so that if for whatever reason your first chance to, to make this happen to get your pick in doesn't work you can use your phone or something else and for god's sakes guys fill your league with good people with good senses of humor so that when ridiculous stuff like this happens, guys can just laugh at it and get after it. I'm not sure whether everyone was laughing, but I can tell you, waiting for our commissioner to find a signal on a trail in the middle of the Sandy Land so the rest of the league could pick, a definite low moment when it comes to the history of fantasy football. Yes, Remus, Remus would definitely, although he doesn't want to be the commissioner, that would have never happened on his watch. 
Um, so anyway, shout out to the other eight owners that dealt with all of that last night. And uh, as I say, thank your commissioners when you're doing these drafts, because in most cases, they have their shit together, things go well, and we do have to thank them. Um, let's get to the cool bet lines. Got another draft tonight. That will not be happening this evening. And God, the helplessness of everyone on a Sunday night going, when the hell is this going to start? He's in the middle of the woods with no signal. We're screwed. And yes, we were. Uh, lines tonight for the Major League Baseball. Where are the Jays? Jays are at home. Gosman's on the hill. Big minus 238 favorite over at Cool Bet. The Nats are plus 205. CFL lines are up for Labor Day weekend. The BC Lions coming off that shocking loss to Hamilton. Three and a half point favorites in Montreal against the Alouettes, who maybe were a little bit of expo a bit exposed here in Winnipeg. Now, who had a worse week, BC or Montreal? Discuss amongst yourselves. Bombers and Riders in the Labor Day Classic. Bombers open as seven and a half point favorites in the game. Minus 286 on the money line. Total 46 and a half. Argos and Ticats, the Argos, not surprisingly, are eight and a half point favorites. And the Calgary Stampeders, five and a half point favorites at home in the battle between Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, right now, a very clear two-team race as far as favorites for the Grey Cup. Argos plus 165, Bombers plus 175, and uh, a lot of stock drop in those BC lines. BC now at plus 450, Alouettes 8 to 1. Everybody else in the league, 22 to 1 or worse. Elks, if you're a believer in the Elks, the miracle second half, winning the Grey Cup, 100 to 1 right now. It's all there over at Cool Bet. And uh, we certainly won't go through all of these. But we can tell you that there is a ton of action at the U.S. Open, which is underway. Our guy, uh, Felix Auger-Aliassime, playing a little later on. Tough first-round matchup. He's only a minus 128 favorite. Uh, so Felix on the court today. I believe Milos Ronic as well. Uh, Milos, oh, against uh, Pass. Tough draw for Milos. Big underdog at plus 275. Uh, men, women, it's all there right now. And as we were talking about with Jeff, your NFL futures are live right now at CoolBet. Uh, right from who you think is going to win the Super Bowl, who you think is going to win the uh, win the conference, to passing, rushing, receiving props, regular season win totals, awards, league leaders, and so much more. It's all there at CoolBet. And check out the lock shop over the next couple of days. We will really dive into our favorite future bets at CoolBet coming up over the next couple of days. All right. One more thing to do, and that is get ready for tonight at the track. And I've got some picks in. Well, tell Remus to, to tweet his picks out. I thought he might text him, but he hasn't. He's busy. Um, eight races tonight. Start at 7.30. I'm going on the second half. Bigger fields. Starting it off in race number five. Who do I like? I like a four, six, three triactor box flying to the line that's a lot of bling and then a little bit longer shot but we've we've hit this horse before remus's favorite savage love so three four six triactor in race number five 
Race number six, we've got a 247. So Dazzling Mischief, Fresh One, and Orcadian Storm. Maybe should have gone with Drizzy after Drizzy's big win last week, which uh, we both had a little piece of. Actually, Drizzy hasn't raced since uh, July 31st. Anyways, my initial one, Drizzy, did not make the cut. Uh, we got wagers on two other horses. Race number seven, we're going with number four to win. A lot to like. And then race number eight, we are taking Ridem. Ridem's won a couple times. I think my buddies have a piece of that horse right now. So um, <clears throat> they'll say it's just a two-to-one favorite. I have a feeling that'll probably get a little bit bigger once betting opens. But uh, Ridem in race number eight. Eight ride him is a uh, horse number uh, horse number seven. All right, man, awesome show today. Uh, great way to kick things off. Glad Remo was enjoying a little bit of time away. Big thanks to Joey Slattery for jumping on at the beginning of the program, and uh, always great to have Scooch on Feinberg, and of course Jeff Hamilton. And a big thanks to uh, to Jeremy for uh, just smoothly getting us through the entire show right away. Jeremy's going to be here all week. Slats is going to be here all week to open up the program. Um, so we'll get to it tomorrow. We'll have lots to get to with Mike McIntyre. We didn't spend a ton of time talking Jets today. Not that there was much to talk about. Uh, but Mike had a busy weekend at the golf course. We'll hit that little CFL. Um, and we'll probably take a trip to the U.S. Open. We'll see if we can get John Horn on tomorrow. Talk about the Canadians at the U.S. Open as this tournament gets underway. Matches all day over on TSN. But uh, Monday show in the books. Another draft tonight. Hopefully it'll go smoother than last night's. Um, but anyways, thanks to all of you for making us a part of your day. If you haven't already, hit that red th hit the thumbs up on the way out. Hit that red subscribe button. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk, where they can find us and join us for another packed show tomorrow at 1 o'clock right here on WSD. Have a great night, everybody. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down! Oh, Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.